This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show that, if it gets a chance, never fails to put it away. Uh, now, Chelsea visited the bright lights of the Geordie Nation on Saturday in a match that many of us felt would not be straightforward. Thus, it proved. Although Newcastle contrived to give us a massive sense of deja vu by playing like an away team at Stamford Bridge rather than the home team. With two disciplined lines of defence and little inclination to attack other than a swift breakaway or a set piece. Uh, the deja vu extended to Chelsea, huffing and puffing but doing little to work the keeper and in truth, for all their bluster and possession, hardly created a significant chance. Chelsea's minds in the final third seemed as foggy as the famous fog on the Tyne. Clever, Chidge, clever. clever. We all knew we all knew what was going to happen and so it proved. But still, to lose to a last-minute goal from a poorly defended cross left a sour taste. In fact, it was a sucker punch. And now we know what the horse felt when a Geordie fan punched one a few years ago. Oh, Chidge, marvellous. Right, the fog on the time, the Chelsea fancast number 489. That actually rhymes, which is equally impressive, but there you go. I've already been, I've had two dollops of hefty praise from uh, Jonathan Kidd, so I think I'm just basically going to like stop the show now and go go to bed. It won't get better than that. Uh, I'll give you more praise, Chidge. Go on then. Marvellous. Thank you. There we go. The check is very—it's veritably in the post. So, as you all know, uh, we've got the delightful, wonderful uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, uh, who has been who has been brick batting away uh, all conceivable stupid rumours of transfers all week. It's entertaining entertaining me on Twitter like you just (laughs) wouldn't believe. Keep up the good work, J.K. Call him out, son. Call him out. Anyway, how are you? You All right. Very good, thank you. Very good. I'm. um... I took my daughter to um, uh, a, th- a theme park, Coral Reef, uh, with a, a galleon in the middle of the swimming pool for her 11th birthday yesterday with a few friends. And um, I'm recovering from that because that mm. was an experience, let me tell you. I bet. So, uh, Marco, you're another 
I've actually got a daughter of a fairly similar age. How are you? And how is Misty Blue? Misty's very good, actually. It's her birthday in a couple of weeks. And this being oh. Sunday, um, she's requested that her and her friends be taken to an escape room. Apparently, all the rage. An escape room? Escape room, yeah. Apparently, they, they, they go into this little room and they have lots of clues. And they try to escape? Yeah. Oh, I'll ask George if she'd like to do that. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll report back. Thank you. I'd like that very much. There you go. Escape you... rooms. Have you heard about them? No. I mean, well, you're asking Georgia, not me. Yeah, I'm asking Georgia. She's on the loo near me. Okay, as you are, you know. No. Is she aware? Oh, she's been to one already. There you uh, go. Well, sorry about that. Yeah. There you go. Okay, okay. Uh, moving on and back to the football. Um, good to have Marco <laughs> and Jonathan and Georgia Marco, and Misty on the show. show. Marco, lovely to be on the show. There we go. Right, on the show tonight, we reflect on Chelsea playing the price, or paying the price even, for not taking their chances, acknowledge how well Newcastle defended, and while they mugged us off, they are certainly no mugs. Uh, were Kepper and the defence to blame, or should we be looking at some something more systemic? In part two, we continue to chat about the Newcastle match and ask, do we really need transfers in now? Why the meltdown? Predominantly on social media, it has to be said. Surely we are where we are. Uh, and does Frank know his best team and is a top four place in jeopardy? And in part three, uh, we preview tomorrow night's match against the Arsenal. Uh, and with Arsenal likely to attack, will that help uh, given Chelsea's home form? What is Frank likely to come up with in terms of selection and formation? What's the injury situation? And before uh, giving our predictions, we look at some past Chelsea and Arsenal matches and in part four we have some cracking emails to read out now of course as you should all know by now don't forget you can listen to this very show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler which is mixlr.com forward slash hyphen no that comes after this it's forward slash Chelsea you would have thought I'd know this by now I say every flaming week Mixler mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as many of you do. And uh, the usual suspects are in there. We've got Bob Uzray, Disco Donny, Andy the Hutch, Happy Bird, Daniel Cabral, Adam Finnegan, Jaroslav Blue, and my favourite, uh, the man that I've uh, made a New Year's resolution to be much nicer to this year, which is the lovely Benny the Blue. Okay, is that good enough, Benny? Do let me know. Um, anyway, uh, you can also, as ever, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast. We've also got a Facebook page and a website. All the usual stuff. Now, uh, when we uh, have after this little break, we'll be back and we will be talking about the football. Okay, uh, back with the football as promised. Um, Marco and I, funnily enough, were talking uh, talking on air uh, before we went or, or before we went on air uh, about how absolutely flaming well annoying uh, it is to uh, to witness your side uh, be downed by uh, you know an, a, a, a late goal. There's nothing worse in my book. I mean, we probably you know if truth were to be told, we probably didn't deserve much better but uh, it's still really 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 irritating 
And it was a sucker punch, wasn't it, Marco? I mean, and we kind of knew it was going to happen, but this is the trouble. When you don't take your chances, it's such an old football cliche, but it's so bloody true, isn't it? I think it's just a wind-up. It's just Groundhog Day. You know, 10 corners we had. Can we put one on the head of an attacker once in a blue moon? I mean, you know, you watched that Liverpool game yesterday, if you did, where Trent pinged the ball over and there's VVD to head it into the back of the net. That's the way to do it. It's not rocket science. We had 10 chances to do that. They had one. Yeah. And I, admittedly, William did head it clear quite some distance. But, um, you know, that kid, St. Maximin, with the magnificent bandana thing going on, just punted it straight back in. And, you know, Rudiger, don't know what he was playing at, failed to read the flight. And there's Isaac Hayden, um, you know, made a, made a mess of Kepper's uh, clean sheet. And the worst thing about this, well, for anybody who plays fantasy football, um, I actually had Isaac Hayden on my bench who came in because, um, <laughs> into my team because Richarlison was in. So I had Isaac Hayden's seven in my fantasy team. Oh, no, what a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare. I mean, that's just rubbing so into the wound, mate, that's isn't it? You know, he's bench fodder as well. He's, I haven't had him. He's only in my squad because he's 4.3 million pounds. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh, but I just I just know what that's like. I feel your pain, Marco. I really, really do. Karma. <laughs> oh dear well I mean I tell you I can guarantee one thing uh, that uh, this result and how it ended up did not ruin Jonathan's fantasy football team but it probably ruined his demeanour I would have thought um, not having a fantasy football team it had nothing to um, to uh, achieve but um, uh, it, it was absolutely inevitable I thought I just thought that they're going to have an opportunity towards the end because we are being so pusillanimous, we are so um, unlikely to score. Um, everybody appeared to be just not up to it. And um, I mean, all right, yes, one must praise their diligence when it came to uh, defending and uh, the fact that uh, they're just relying on uh, a speedy person up front who the ball is booted down to or a quick break to a winger. But for goodness sake, surely, surely we can deal with that. I mean, I echo Marco's sentiment completely. What is it with the corners? What are they doing? What? That's the same mistakes. And honestly, if this had happened under under uh, this is, under Sarri, there would have been absolute more of a meltdown than there has been. The very fact that it's Frank, we're we're you know we're understanding that he's still trying to make things work. But what has happened to the team that earlier on in the season passed the ball so quickly? They're now so laborious. What is going on? I just, I, I am bemused by the, the idiocy of the, the lack of concentration, the, the, the inability to pass the ball in situations where um, uh, you look at other teams that, that, that gets there. So, you look at Liverpool, the ball gets there so quickly and the opportunity to pass is then taken. It's not 
stopped and fall back upon and pass back. We're, we're, we're going into Surrey territory here for some bizarre reason. I don't know. I'm, I'm befuddled by the whole experience. It was so poor and it shouldn't be happening because this is a side that plays brilliantly. One touch stuff. Does it stem from Kovacic? Is he the problem? Is he the, him not playing? Or um, is it that Jorginho isn't playing decent enough passes? But we get into the final third and the idiocy that just takes place. You think, come on, there's somebody running. Give him the ball. Make it wider. And I've said, apart, the only person who comes out of this with any kind of uh, um, positive plus points, of course, is Rhys James, who had a, another fantastic game. But the others, oh, God, it's like they're all on Valium in the last the last third of the pitch. I, well, I'm so taken aback. I can't believe it. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you take a breath before your uh, your uh, the jugular vein on your neck finally uh, explodes. I'm also going to take a leaf out of your book, Jonathan, because if you remember, we had a chat last week about the emails, yeah. and I yeah. said, I promised you that if we had emails that came in that relate directly to the match, I'll put them in the body of that part Perfect. rather than saving it. We and we've got the mail. Exactly, Perfect. and we've got one. We've got one from the lovely Jake Aldrich, who says... Uh, Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well. After my last email, uh, an onslaught of Kepper, which I stupidly wrote during the Everton game. Now, that's a good point, Jake. Never always take a pause, I, I think. is Actually, do you know what? I thought of this, uh, funnily enough, on Saturday. I thought, blimey, I'm glad we're, we're not doing the fan cast right after the game like we used to, because they used to get absolutely psychopathic after a game like that. <laughs> anyway, um, that's why we stopped. We couldn't, because we, we're also very drunk, which didn't help. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's why we don't, that's why we wait for a couple of days so we can calm down. Anyway, uh, I'll try. I mean, actually, that's a good point, because that was happening predominantly between 2008 and 2012, maybe maybe only for a couple of years. So, you know, we, we, we were doing pretty well then, and yet we still used to have a meltdown. Anyway, I'll try my best to tone this one down and have waited until the morning after the game to write in. Very sensible. One thing that has been slightly annoying for me in recent times is how much Frank is talking about a lack of clinicality. I admit we should definitely score more than we do, but I think the bigger issue here is the lack of clear-cut chances we're actually creating for ourselves, particularly when teams park the bus. We had... 70% of the possession against Newcastle, yet only managed four shots on target. Most of our shots were from outside of the box or were blocked from, uh, from a Newcastle player. If we were creating more clear-cut chances, the amount we should be with 70% possession, I'm pretty sure we would have more than four of them on target. And at that stage, perhaps then we can talk about clinicality. I, I, I don't know if that's a word, Jake, but it's working for me anyway. I want us to talk about clinicality when the players are missing, chances that we could score. There were a distinct lack of crosses coming into the box against Newcastle, with us passing from side to side and eventually trying to find our way through the wall of players. If we're lacking goals and teams are parking the bus, why are we making like-for-like -like changes, such as a defender for a defender and a striker for a striker? Absolutely. Why are we playing with four defenders at the end of the game when our left and right back aren't even whipping crosses into the box? Despite the lack of goals this season against teams parking the bus, I'd love to know how many minutes we've played with two strikers on the pitch. Surely this is a no-brainer. On a more positive note, I thought I'd suggest a part five to your wonderful podcast for Ron's Rumours. Keep up the great work, Jake. I mean, that, that to me, Jonathan, was a brilliant email because it absolutely underlines, I think, some of the, the key points. And I think you were alluding to this a minute ago, which is... They, you know, and I, and I am going to I am going to have a caveat on this because I have a bit of a, a hobby horse, as people probably know, which I think, it, it, you know, all all supporters of all football clubs are absolutely guilty of. 
we all, we all tend to think that there's only one team actually playing on the pitch, which is our team. So therefore, everything yes. everything is all their fault. Well, the reality is, I thought Newcastle were brilliant. Yes, uh, on Saturday, in terms of the way they defended, they were really disciplined, really stoical. They put their bodies on the line, and I mean, there is a truism here, isn't there? Which is it? And, and Jose used to moan about this a lot, but it's much easier to coach a team to defend than it is to coach a team to create. And I think we have to doff our hat to Newcastle for being utterly shithouse-like and being brilliantly defending. But it did annoy me, like I think it annoyed you, Jonathan, and also Jake, that you know, if you come up against a really stoic defence like that, then you've got to go wide. You can't keep trying to cut inside because you're just not going to get through them. And I think that's why you felt it was a bit Sarri-like in parts, yeah? Completely. but uh, And also the, the point about not bringing uh, uh, another forward on, it, 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 I think he's scared at the moment. I don't think he has great faith in the defence dealing with these breakaways. That's why he won't change it. But uh, I think really he should have put um, both Batshuayi and, and uh, Tammy on together um, because the, the chances of them scoring from a breakaway were, were slim. But the very fact that he keeps the same... Um, structure every time just makes me feel he hasn't got confidence in the defence which I suppose is fair enough mm. um, but uh, I think that um, other managers uh, would have changed it to four four two. Marco I mean I think Jake talks a lot of sense in there I mean I'd also just also add in another caveat mate which is you know Newcastle are no mugs I mean they've they've had good results against City, United, Spurs, Wolves, Sheffield United so you know this was never going to be an easy gig and yeah we probably should have won it um we absolutely should have walked away with no worse than a draw and sometimes shit does happen right yeah but shit shit's happened against Bournemouth West Ham yes. Southampton, um you know three three sides there and and West Ham um you know they they are sides that Chelsea should at least score against yeah um and, it, and it's just Groundhog Day, you know, possession, corners. It's been going on for months. I mean, this is kind of, you know, I love Frank to bits. Um, but this is kind of, these are the basics of playing football. You know, Tony Pulis perfected set pieces, both defending and taking. You know, what, why, what, is, what is wrong with... Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me stop you there and ask you a question. What's the biggest problem at the moment? Is it our inability to defend in those situations or is it our inability to work the keeper? Well, it's, it's both, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but what's the bigger problem? Well, the bigger, the bigger problem is, you know, if we're going to be Barcelona and score more than we concede, at least score some goals. So mm. we're not doing that. You know, I mean, City... Man City's defence is all over the place this season. You and know. They, they, they suffered in, in a similar way to us on Saturday in a game they should have won. And well, they, and they got an, a last-minute own goal. But they, yeah, you know, Aguero... From a makeshift centre-back. But, but Aguero scored twice. That's yeah, exactly. And hence, they didn't lose. And he scored a hat-trick in the, in the previous game. And that's what we're missing. You know, that one player um, who can, can do that consistently but they translate their superiority into goals immediately if they're all over a team for 20 minutes as for example as we were against Brighton they'll they'll score three goals and that's the end of it we just score the one and then we're we're 
we're defending like idiots. I think Brighton was the other team to, to use as well, where we, we just display um, inability to do the most basic things. And and it's it, what's been happening, though, slightly with, annoying me, is that we're not even doing that thing we did early on in the season of playing out of our skin for 20 minutes. And he's not he's no longer pressing. He's no longer pressing people. I, he seems to have somehow just taken a step back from his original tactics and I find that very confusing. I, they're not they're not playing with any of the um, uh, the verve uh, uh, that they had earlier on in the season. It's uh, it's it's becoming ponderous, and I just I'm I don't understand it because his trademark, even at Derby, was the speed that that they all um, pinged the ball about to get into the penalty area. Well, so, but, you know. but, I mean, you know, I, I know one swallow doesn't make a summer, and clearly it hasn't um, this season. But you look at the way we dismantled Spurs on their own patch. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's doable. It's not. It's, it's, it's got the ingredients there, but it's just that consistency. But it just shows um, what. Why did that happen so well? And then, and why did it work so well in the last minutes against Arsenal? And yet against these other teams, I think part of it is that they because of the they play the block, don't they? They don't give you any opportunity. They don't come out to score. They don't try and press you. So they're just sitting back. And we're not—we're absolutely incapable of dealing with a team with teams who sit back. Yeah, but once again, Chich, I agree. They defended marvelously, but he—he he must have known they were going to play that way. They played that way at the at the bridge. The the likelihood of them coming out of that, considering that's the way they've played in all the past games, he should have been working out a way of dealing with that. And we didn't see any of that. I, I mean, it was really odd, wasn't it? It was very much like watching a home game. I mean, you know, for. I, I kind of take all of our points, you know, ultimately it's both, isn't it? But I, I would always say, you know, really, you've got to get things right at the back first because you've got to make sure you don't lose. Now, you know, ultimately we were undone in the, last, the almost the last play of the game and I know it can happen. I mean, it's easy to point the finger at Kepper. It's easy to point the finger at Rudiger, but you could equally point the finger at Emerson for being for watching from about three miles away, yes. and for Jorginho for not being in there at all, which left Rudiger with three people to mark. And I mean, for William, William not actually closing um, mirror. Yeah, he, he did it half-heartedly. I mean, he did. He I, I was did. still, I was still sat with my jaw open at the fact that William had cleared the the corner <laughs> with a header. Yeah. Before I could actually realise that he hadn't really closed uh, Saint Martin down, who actually delivered a brilliant ball. Those are hard to defend, period. But it doesn't help when, as I said, you know, Rudiger was left with three people to mark. So, you know, for me, yes, I know things like that can happen even in the best uh, defensive sides, but I think we need to absolutely get the defence right first and there's some brilliant stuff as always these people who listen to the show are far more knowledgeable than we are they should do it instead of us maybe uh but um benji toes said here that frank's derby conceded 1.3 goals per game chelsea are currently 1.4 and i think it is an issue you know and I, and I wonder also if the issue i mean again we've all been around the block a long time and and, and i know that football is, is is riven with clichés but there's a good reason for that but i think in a defense you need to get the same defense playing kind of week in week out because they get used to each other it breeds confidence and i think there's been too much chopping and changing marco and i don't think that that's helped oh, absolutely i think um the, the interchanging of personnel at the back i, I mean i know um, he kind of we kept that clean sheet, didn't we, against Burnley? Um, no, against Forest in the cup, and then he kept the same 
back line, didn't he, for for the um, or centre back pairing? Kept Christensen in there um, for the Burnley game, and obviously there was a clean sheet there. Uh, but you know, I don't know. It's it's like uh, they just play like strangers. But I mean, even then, you know, is does that excuse it? I mean, it's just basics, really basic stuff. Well, it's concentration. Concentration is basic. Sometimes when you've got youngsters playing, you can, you know, their concentration drops. It's communication. That means, you know, usually it starts from the either the keeper or the leader in the central defence, like a John Terry uh, figure in defence. And if the keeper is not communicative and he's not bullying and cajoling and bossing his defence around, that can cause problems. I mean, I suspect we could probably sit here for eight hours and come up with about a hundred reasons as to why they're not doing it. But the reason is, the, the, the bottom line is, is that they need this sorted out. And I think a consistency in terms of who he picks in defence is going to be vital going forward and they need to nail that. But I then do, who is best, best defenders? Well, I was going to say, absolutely, Jonathan, I was about to say, I think one of the problems that Frank might have is that, frankly, we don't have good enough players for him or actually any other manager that, that was would you know could have been here. You know, has he got people who he thinks are good enough in defence. We know we've got a problem on the left-hand side. Arguably, we might have a problem in centre-back too. Arguably, we've got a problem with the keeper. But I think you can also say the same at the other end of the pitch where we're not quite delivering the goods. You know, maybe right now, some of these players are just not good enough. Maybe they will be in the future. Maybe they're not now. Maybe they have been in the past. Maybe they're not now. So I think that poor old Frank and Jody. Uh, have got a problem, you know. I, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be fixed in an instant, and I, don't, I certainly don't think it's gonna be fixed in a January transfer window either. Uh, so there you go. I mean, talking of the other end, and and talking about the creative element of of the side at the moment, I wonder if, I mean, it'd be very easy, wouldn't it, Marco, just to say. Well, I mean, we have. I mean, we've said it on this show. Oh, well, if we had Hazard, he was the difference last season. In a tough game or a tight game like that, he would be the one to unlock the door, get our noses in front, and then we'd be able to win. But I just wonder if it might be something more kind of systemic or structural. Is is the midfield working? Has Frank figured out, you know, who's the best combination there? Are we light up front? We've only got Tammy. If Tammy goes off the boil, is Batshuayi really the answer? You know, I wonder if there's something more systemic going on than just saying... Well, you know, we haven't got Hazard anymore, and he was the difference. I mean, I think the stats from the game—not that I've got them in front of me—but watched the game. Um, you know, you could argue we created a lot of chances, and much as I love Tammy, you know, he he fluffed these lines quite a few times. You know, admittedly there was there were a couple of you know genius saves. Um, but he 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 missed a few chances. I think Emerson missed a very good chance. Uh, we ended up with, um, you know, Caesar Aspilicueta was probably getting peed off and thought, I'll have a bloody go because he had a shot from 25 yards <laughs> that was at least on target. So, you know, my point would be that we are creating chances. We're, we're just, you know, not sticking them away um, in the way... You know, we were talking about Manchester City earlier. Um, you know, they're ruthless. Or you look at, you know, the way Liverpool came out of the traps after half-time. I know it, it took them until injury time at the end of the game to get a certain goal, but they they were relentless, um, you know, going after a, a goal. And, and they got, you know, they got two. 
And that's just not what we're doing. You know, there's just that last clinical, you know, we keep talking about it, but, but it's true. Uh, and then, you know, the flip side of that is if, if we're prone to a ricket, you know, one ricket, that's all it takes. And that's what happened. The, the, in injury time, you lose the game um, and everything that comes with it. You know, I mean, yeah, I stayed off Twitter on Saturday night. I can imagine the meltdown. But No, it was vicious. Yeah, but, you know, in, I don't agree with people, um, you know, resorting to hate speech uh, against players or the manager or the club or, or other people who have a different opinion. But, you know, articulated in a in a fair manner, you know, that, that was a pony performance on, on uh, Saturday. And, and it deserves, you know, the, the manager, his assistants and the players deserve criticism for, for you know, failing, not a fake dereliction of duty, but it's just ridiculous and, and it keeps happening. That's the worst, you know, if it, if it, was, if it was a one-off, fair enough. You know, bad day at the office. Yeah. Um, but but it just keeps happening. And it, and honestly, you look at Chelsea's results over the last you know couple of months, maybe going back to November. If you take those two wins away from home um, out of the equation, you know, beating Spurs and Arsenal, I think Frank would be seriously under pressure in terms of you know the the, the way. The whole setup would be. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and I love Frank to be in for the long term, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to defend management setup when the same thing keeps happening week in, you know, every other week against teams that, you know, it's laughable. It really is, you know, how Chelsea are fourth in the table having lost seven games um, eight 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 now yeah, yeah. you know how, how Chelsea are where they are um, well I, I think I think the answer to that Marco is quite simple is that we among uh, among uh, you know pretty much everybody apart from Liverpool are are not not the real deal yet you know we're not the finished article we're not as good as we like to think we are I mean look at Leicester they've lost four out of the last six City drawing to Palace. I mean, I know they lost them last season at home, but they're they're you know not anything like they used to be. Spurs ropey, Arsenal ropey, United ropey. Uh, you know we we are like a lot of the others, not as good as we perhaps used to be or would like to think we are. Jonathan, I'm going to leave the final word in this part to you, just to kind of you know run on from what Marco was saying. Well, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Really, that any side that plays a block two a block of of two lots of five can uh, can beat us. If you if you carry on by looking at the teams that Marco's looked at, Southampton and and similarly with Brighton um, and West Ham and um, uh, and Bournemouth, of course, it, it's um, it, it's not looking good. Well, um, I mean, just, just, it can't go on yet. Interrupt me. Go on. No, no, I was just going to because no, I, I, unless you finish your point, because I'll tell you what I was going to come in with. I've got the list of our last ten matches up, and I shall run through them in a sec. No, but, do, do do do. No, I was just well, going okay. to uh, say I think that Marco's got it absolutely right. Yeah, just, it's. it's it's indeed if 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 we hadn't won those two um, 
uh, I mean, very sort of socially important games because it's it's Gunas and Spuds. Um, he would be under severe pressure because yeah. this is just brainless. It's beca- yeah, but I, you it's say, I mean, I want, brainless. I want to get into this pressure thing in a minute in the second part because I'm not entirely sure. No, it's not going to well, I, exactly. I think I think we're in a very different world than we used to be. But anyway, let me just run through our last ten games. Uh, Villa at home, we won, I think, quite comfortably in all reality. Everton away, we got thumped and we were absolutely appalling, but they were very good. Uh, Lille at home, I think that was quite lucky that we won that, if I recall. Bournemouth at home, we probably should have won that and just got mugged by them. So that's a, a, a black mark. Spurs away, we were excellent, thoroughly deserved to win. Southampton at home, they were very good. That was kind of a Newcastle-esque performance by them. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we're at home, we should do better. Arsenal away, again, I thought we were excellent in the second half and deserved to win that. Brighton away, we drew 1-1, we should have won that. You know, bad finishing and bad defending cost us. Forest in the cup, well, they're rubbish, so that hardly counts. Burnley at home, I mean, that flatters us, I think, that 3-0. I thought we were good, but, you know, if that goal goes against us that got turned over by VAR, I think that's a very different match. Yesterday, um, you know, bad, bad predominantly up front um, and one mistake at the back cost us. Newcastle defended very well, but basically poor. So actually, I think in the, in the, in the wider scheme of things, um, I think we've been poor in maybe two or three of those matches and the rest of them, either the other side were very good or, or we won. So I think it's, you know, it's fine margins, isn't it? As football always is, therein lies the trouble. Anyway, look, after this... Uh, very short but sweet break. Uh, we're going to be coming back in part two. We're going to be talking about transfers, meltdowns. Does Frank know his best team? And uh, are we good for top four, amongst other things? Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is Stamford Chidge and this is the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, as ever, I have my wingman, Mr Jonathan Kidd. I'm here. And uh, one of my favourite people in the universe, Mr Mark Worrell. There you go. Now, um, as I said, uh, you know, earlier on, uh, I like the idea that we get a few emails in which uh, kind of bounce off what we're going to talk about. And uh, first time we've done it tonight, but I kind of like this idea. And I've got a great one from uh, a very old and dear friend of the shows, Mr. Robert Delcini or Bobby D to his mates, who's uh, he's well, he's English, but he he lives in Melbourne. And he's a very fine man. He's been over a few times. We've, we've had beer and curry and generally had a bit of a blast. So uh, Bobby says this. He says, Good evening, Chidge, Jonathan Kidd and guest. Uh, Christmas is over and I'm sitting back at my desk after three weeks holiday listening to the latest podcast. I finally dug into my pockets and become a patron of the show. Good man. Good man. I'm cancelling my Amazon Prime as this is far better value for money. Uh, hearing all the conversations of the current youth players excelling in the first team made me think of the last time we had a team full of Chelsea youth. With the help of Google, my memory is not improving with age, uh, I brought back memories of the 1992-93 season. Ian Porterfield had taken over from Bobby Campbell this season, or sorry, the season before, and was sacked midway through this season where David Webb took over. Due to being broke, we were forced to play a number of the youth players in the first team. In our team, we had Kevin Hitchcock, 
Anthony Barnes, David Lee, Rodders, Andy Myers, Ian Pierce, Ian Pierce, blimey, Frank Sinclair, Darren Bernard, uh, or Bernard if you prefer, Gareth Hall, uh, Barnard, Gareth, Barnard, Barnard think. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, Gareth Hall's a midfield genius. Stevie Clark, Craig Burley, Damian Matthew, Eddie Newton, Graham Stewart, and Neil Shipley. By current standards, it wasn't the greatest of seasons, but to finish 10th, equal points with Arsenal, seemed a victory in itself. But it was our team, and due to these youth players coming through the team, uh, we identified with the club. They seemed to have a passion to play every week and had each other's back. As we all know, 12 months later, Glenn Hoddle took over, who later brought in Rude Hullet, which started this amazing 27-year journey. I, all of a sudden, feel very old. The lack of youth getting a proper chance is something we've struggled with in the preceding few years until John Terry came through our youth ranks. Is it a coincidence that this became our most successful time of our club? This season, we have our club back. We have players that want to fight for the fans, badge, uh, badge and each other. Oh, right, fans, badge and each other. We have an ex-player as a football director, and I have no doubt that in keeping with this policy, we will see a consistent time at the top. Or uh, As for transfers in, I don't want anyone. At the start of the season, we would have been happy with a top six finish. I hear people saying about bringing in a striker. Is that so we can rotate Tammy into a loss of form? At the moment, we have a second striker who is happy on the bench, so why bring someone else to play in that role? Midfield, we have enough players playing well, so no need to rock the boat there. In saying that, the only possible player I would bring in would be a quality English left-back, which would free up an ageing Dave. Be good to know your feelings on, on, on the about and the amaz- oh, on, about this and the amazing Ian Porterfield. Anyway, as always, thanks for the time and effort you spend in bringing us great content up the Chels, Bobby D. And by the way, that's a good opportunity for me to say thank you to all of our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, Patreons uh, who patronise us in the best possible way uh, by basically bunging, me, uh, bunging us a little bit of money every month in uh, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Um, it's great because it helps us to cover the cost of the shows. You can also get in touch with me. You can message us on there and occasionally you will get... Uh, some other stuff going on there when I can actually get my finger out of my rear end and do so. So, Jonathan, what do you think of Bobby D's email? Wasn't um, uh, Graham Stewart and uh, Eddie Newton playing in that side at the time? Yeah, he mentioned them. He mentioned. Oh, did you them. mention them? Did yeah, I miss yeah. them? I wasn't. I missed them. Sorry. Yeah. I do apologise. I remember because um, they both scored against Spurs. We beat Spurs two one that season. I remember being. Uh, he had a bit of a false dawn, poor old Porterfield. Um, <coughs> and the results got scary and uh, Bates pulled the trigger, if you remember. And Dave, David Webb came in and resorted to a rather, I think as I put it, agricultural way of playing. Um, <coughs> similarly, defending and booting the ball down the pitch and running after it. Very similar to the way that um, people play against us nowadays. Um, but he uh, And you think that actually Webby would be more involved in the whole... Uh, um, process of being uh, a legend but um um, unfortunately he's uh, he he isn't does he live in america now isn't that the case david webb has he gone over there as well i'm not sure if he has do you know about that marco has david webb gone over to america sorry i don't know i don't quite understand for example he wasn't at the uh the, uh, when the yellow kit came out for the cup game he wasn't um he wasn't on uh, uh he wasn't paraded round like the other five um the other five cup winners but um, anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it, it, I, th- I'm, I don't know. I think he's. Um, I think he's slightly um, <clears throat> off the pace here because um, uh, I fear that if we were to stick with exactly the same side, um, 
uh, well, I don't know. It's it's expectation, isn't it? We've our expectations have changed because we played so well at the beginning of the season, and we now think we're possible contenders for for um, even third in the in the in the top four. And so when it comes unstuck, as it is. Um, it's easier to start criticising. I think that if you were to just think in terms of, all right, we're going to use the youth for the rest of the season and not have a, a dip into the transfer market, which I think we will, by the way, um, uh, I, I think, you, uh, and just keep on playing youth and injecting them into the side, um, I think we'd we'd probably end up halfway and not qualify for the Champions League, but we'd think, well, fair enough. But I'm not convinced the, the club want that to happen. I think the club want the injection of youth, but they want an element of success as well. So I think there will be a um, a dive into the transfer market. Um, uh, and I think it's all cooking at the moment. I think it's a whole series. We're, we're about to get onto that, aren't we, Chidge, to discuss the transfer? Well, I think it's it's all it's all part of it. Exactly well, I, that. Right, well, I think we're... Um, I, the impression I get is I think he's trying to do one in, one out. I think he's trying to, for example, if he gets rid of Alonso, he wants a left back. I thought it was interesting that... Uh, Despite us all poo-pooing the whole, um, us all despairing of the whole Chilwell um, coming from uh, Leicester, it was interesting that uh, he didn't play at the weekend and they couldn't give a reason. He didn't appear to be injured. So you wonder whether he's actually attracted by um, an enormous amount of money that he'd be offered at Chelsea. Because, and also there's been a lot of um, Leicester, been a lot of Leicester fans uh, saying if he wants to go, let him go. So they're aware of the interest. And I think they've got a couple of other little, little, decent players from their youth set up who, who Rodgers will put in his place. So that might be an option. But I think it's pretty obvious that he wants a left back um, because uh, uh, supposedly Alonso is on his way, which is something that, that I said ages ago, which in um, via Ron, in fact. Um, but um, I, I, whether he thinks it'll freshen the team up or just give them some kind of impetus, certainly something needs to happen or whether he starts putting in a couple more youth boys. I mean, that would be interesting. Whether he gives, um, uh, is it Lamptey the go at left back that uh, uh, that he had before, or even, or even uh, Matson, whether he gets a game. Um, well, perhaps they're not ready yet. I think their players for the future in this season in the Premier League might be a step too far. Um, uh, but uh, I, 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 I don't think they're going to stick with this setup just because it's not performing at it's not performing at all now. Whether it's something has happened or we've been sussed or it's gone a bit stale or or he's trying to rotate because they're tired or there are injuries. I don't know. That's something for Frank and the training ground. But um, I think something needs to happen. I mean, look, just to pitch in quickly before I bring Marco back in. I mean, it's a very it's complex, isn't it? We've not been yeah. here for a long, long time. And I think it's hard for us to deal with. But... You know, I I think what we've got there was a lot. There's a lad uh, on Twitter. I I kind of retweeted it uh, the thread earlier on, which I thought was very very good. It's well worth a read. But we have an opportunity at the club to suddenly do things in a very very different way. And I think a lot of what's going on at the moment depends on how big Roman Abramovich's balls are. You know, if if he can stomach us not competing for things. Uh, as in the Premier League title and the Champions League for a few years, yeah, and and you know, and actually stick to his guns and stick to a plan. And I and I, I've said this so many times recently. I mean, you know, what Liverpool have done, uh, I think, is a real uh, bellwether for for you know doing it properly. Actually, and I and I hate to give them any praise because I can't stand them, as you all know. But they they've got they had a plan. They brought in a manager who they felt was going to be right for that plan and they've let him do it and they didn't they didn't panic 
when Liverpool came eighth. They didn't panic when Liverpool came sixth. Uh, they've allowed him, and this is where, the, the, where it relates to what we we're talking about now with the transfers. You know, judicious and surgical transfers are far better than just buying pillocks like Danny Drinkwater. And this is where we've got to start improving. You know, and I think getting, you know, world-class players in is where we're lacking. I don't think we are going to compete for Premier League titles and Champions League charges again until, hang on a minute, until we start buying world-class players again to supplement the fantastic talent that we've got coming through. Now, the addendum to that is if right now, and I think Marco made, made this point fantastically in part one, I think sometimes, you know, it's very easy to get stale. And I think a fresh voice, as in, you know, a new player coming in. I mean, I, I tell you what, the best, the best analogy to this uh, happened in the early 80s for, with a player that Marco and I both know and love very much. Uh, and he came in in January and he, or maybe it was before that, but he came in and he really just, his, his, his freshness really helped. And that was Mickey Thomas, wasn't it, Marco? Yeah, yeah. You know, get. I'm not saying we should sign Mickey, but you know, something equivalent, just to get a different player, and it gets people going. And maybe that's what we need at the moment, because I certainly don't think in January we're going to buy the kind of players that Frank really needs and wants. Anyway, over to you, Marco. Yeah, no, no. Make a few points actually. Just talking about transfers and mentioning Liverpool there. I mean, if you if you cast your mind back, um, both Allison and. Uh, Virgil van Dijk were, were, were players that Chelsea were hotly pursuing and, and you know, f- failed to sign, um, unfortunately. And uh, we kind of went out and panic bought Kepa, although the club would have you believe that wasn't the case. Um, and then really, we, we didn't do anything um, major on the in the centre back piece. Um, you know, so the, there's that. Uh, and I think, you know, in general, um, kind of the left-back thing's interesting. You know, I, I was I was talking to somebody um, who's pretty reliable, who was saying Leicester, interestingly enough, were looking at um, Luke Shaw and uh, Ryan Bertrand, believe it or not, as potential replacements for Chilwell, who... who quite frankly, he's been rubbish in the last few games. He's yes. Um, you know, 80 million, and you're like thinking, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, you know, we had that chance to watch young Lamptey, and you're kind of thinking, mm, you know, if, if he was a couple of years older, um, there's the other kid, isn't there, Matson as well, um, who played in, in the FA Youth Cup tie the other night. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I'd be I'd be astonished if uh, they managed to sign Chilwell in 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 the January window. But you know, stranger things have happened. Um, would it be the solution to being able to defend corners? No. Um, would it be the solution to uh, you know taking a corner? No. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it would be good because you know what I enjoyed, what I did, what I have enjoyed watching in the last few weeks since, or the last few games really, not the last few weeks. You know, Reese and Hudson Adoy on the right, it's bloody good to watch. Um, 
you know, finesse that a bit um, and, you know, find a way to make the most of what they're delivering. Uh, and also, talking of the corners, I would have Reese James taking all of those, a la Trent Alexander-Arnold, because um, he seems to do it that little bit better. Um, you know, and they're the young guys. So if we can sort the left-hand side out, um who knows? Uh, would it would it improve? I don't know. It's it's, it's tricky. And then you know, people were talking. People getting excited about Cavani, apparently oh, making no, noises that he wants away. And you kind of think Cavani, and you're thinking, oh, is he going to be another Higuain? Um, you know, and there was it's January's fraught with danger as far as. Um, big money transfer window signings and loan moves are concerned and they don't necessarily you know, achieve what 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 what's needed. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's also interesting that I don't know if you know Eddie Newton, who, who's obviously part of uh, Frank's backwards team. He, he's agreed to go, go and link up with... John Obi Mikel and, and Daniel Sturridge, believe it or not, in Turkey. Um, as, is he off, mate? Seriously? No, no, no. He's, he's going to Trabzonspor as assistant manager. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, Fuck. So, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was a great addition to the coaching team. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, and you kind of wonder, you know, what exactly is going to happen in the next, um, what is it, the 20th, the next 11 days of, of the transfer window. Are, are we just going to buy a stopgap, you know, makeshift somebody to bolster the attack? And But how's that going to shape up? Is that going to take minutes away from um, Tammy or... Will we go two up front? You know, I mean, I I was just, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know he tried it a couple of times, but I, I don't know. I, you sort of wonder with a couple of, you know, I mean, hey, Mark, I'm going to ask you a question, right? Okay, because I think it's inexorably uh, going down this direction. We've been kind of, you know, kind of circuiting around it a bit. But do you think do you think Frank knows his best team? No, absolutely not. Um, why Why not? Well, because if he did, we'd be playing consistently with with the, you know, we wouldn't be swapping around the back four. We wouldn't. Yeah, be... but why does Frank not know his best team? Well, I don't know. Either because he doesn't. I mean, that's... <laughs> you can't say fairer than that. Can you? <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I am bewildered as to why um, if... Tamori has suddenly slipped away. Yeah, I mean, my, my point is, if we had a consistent run of results, so. You know, we strung a couple of clean sheets together, which surprised everyone. So he he kept faith with um, Rudiger and uh, Christensen as, as the central um, centre back pairing. You know, and then he's fiddled around playing three at the back. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just you know. It ain't easy, mate. It's certainly not easy. I mean, as I said, I'll say it again. We, you, 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 me, and Jonathan have been around the block a long time, and I, I can, I, I can't actually think of any that come to immediately to mind. But there are plenty of managers who have, 
you know, got lucky. You know, they've had an injury. Somebody's come in and they played a blinder and they've cemented themselves into the side for the rest of the season and it's all worked fabulously. Or, you know, they've made one tactical switch and it suddenly all clicked and I mean, worked. Look, it's, a, it's an inexact... It's an art, not a science, really, isn't it, football look, management? You know, Conte's the most recent proof of, um, you know, switching switching tactics, massaging the personnel and, you know, raising a few eyebrows in the process. And then, you know, 13, 13 straight wins or whatever it was. Um, you know, so that 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 is kind of nirvana, isn't it? Um that, that's, I mean, you know, probably Frank could probably take three straight wins, four straight wins, but it, but it's getting to that point. Um, you know, scoring goals. I mean, Burnley were rubbish, so you know, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's just consistency and just some basic stuff in there. But you know, for all of that, fortunately, as we said sort of earlier. Well, Chelsea are fourth with a decent cushion, um, and all the other, you know, buyers and the spires in the same position. What I will say is, though, you know, you look at Chelsea's fixtures coming up. We've got, you know, the Arse tomorrow, then kind of the cup game on uh, Saturday. Then we've got Leicester away, United at home, Tottenham at home, and Bayern at home. You know. Uh, which Chelsea's going to turn up? You know, you, you might think, okay, well, we turned up away at Arsenal and away at Tottenham. You know, will we do the same in the reverse fixture? Or, you know, what's Arteta? What are Arteta and Jose going to be wanting? You know, from those games, um, you know, Leicester seem to have fallen away, but you can bet your bottom line they'll t- play like Brazil seventy in 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 that game at the beginning of February. United seem to come to Stamford Bridge and win um, every time they, they, they play down here of late. And then, you know, Bayern Munich, who won 7-2 or whatever it was uh, at Tottenham. So there's some, some real tests of character there um, over the, you know, space of five weeks. I know there's that weird winter break um, in, in, uh, in at the beginning of February, which kind of, you know, it's, I don't know what, what happens during that break. Depend depends a lot, I guess, on you know what happens in the next three games. Um, you know, if, if we beat Arsenal, get past Hull in the cup, and beat Leicester, then everybody will be going happy days. Maybe we've signed somebody in the transfer window. Then there's two weeks of um, looking forward to Man United, and every, everything's rosy in the garden again. We, we will definitely be signing somebody because Bruce Buck said so on Friday, and uh, um, at, we, he was there at the interview with um, with Frank. And Frank said, "Oh, he's put pressure on me now. Yeah, but I'm not telling you who it is. So there is going to be a signing, but who who knows what it is at the moment? So probably a new marketing person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, personally, I know we're kind of in a doom and gloom phase of conversation. But personally, I'm not, you know, I'm not unduly concerned. I just, I want to see the clear evidence that those training ground basics have been addressed. You know, when we play tomorrow night, I don't be sitting there, you know, 8.50, I don't be sitting there at or whatever 
time, you know, as we're nearing the final whistle, going, what have we done with all those corners and why Arsenal winning 2-1? Because they scored from a free kick in a bloody corner. But you can well, come and have a venison pie, Mark. Yeah, that's, that's gonna, I was going to say, Jonathan, you know, Marco will be in your company tomorrow in the posh seat, so he'll have uh, as much alcohol and cakes and uh, venison pies as he can get his laughing gear around, so he'll be fine, won't he? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, Take your mind off it. Takes your I'm, mind off it, Marco. I'm so sorry that I'm not going to be there tomorrow because I could have come and seen you both and uh, had a cup of tea after the after the game. But and done uh, a vid, done a vid. Chip. I know. Well, you you and Marco could do a vid. Oh, well, we could, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do you do a vid because I can't. I mean, basically, it's, it's, this is unbelievable. I mean, because I have a client uh, at six o'clock on uh, on Tuesday evenings, and uh, for various reasons which I can't go into, it's imperative that I, I I don't just leap off and go to the football. Anyway, so uh, I sold my ticket. And uh, I spoke to him last Tuesday, and he said, oh, "I can't make it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I could have gone after all, but anyway, too late for me. Um, bottom line is, um, this is kind of, I think, segueing really nicely into, you know, uh, a, a, a lovely kind of discussion about why why there's such a meltdown. And you know, I, I'm I'm very much of the opinion that I, I I kind of accepted where we might be this season. It's kind of gone better in parts than I thought it would, and you know, as I expected in others. But I've got a couple of emails here that absolutely nail uh, this subject totally. If you don't mind, I'm just going to read these out very quickly. One's from the lovely Daryl Middleditch. Now, uh, Daryl is one of my partners in crime on the wonderful Who Knows Wins betting thing that we do every weekend. He won this week, uh, lucky bugger. I I had a shocker again, uh, as I often do. But uh, Daryl went home with all the money. Well done, Daryl. He says, evening, cheers, JK, and worthy guest. That would be Marco. Uh, a quick Monday morning note. First, firstly, thank you to the guys for the weekend's betting on Who Knows Wins. As always, great fun, win or lose. Secondly, a, thir- a thought occurred to me yesterday after a somewhat disappointing performance result Saturday evening. I picked up my phone, clicked on a certain app and thought to myself, wow, we're going to be all right. Should Lamps and staff think, fuck it, we're walking away uh, or a sacked? Roman need look no further than Twitter. Managers to a penny. Transfer policy all laid out and ready to go. Tactical knowledge of some of these people is mind-blowing. We can all rest easy, people. Twitter's got this. Frank's going nowhere. It's perfect. Is it, is it perfect? No. But is it Chelsea? I'm going to read that again because I've made a complete balls up of that. Frank's going nowhere. Is it perfect? No. But it is Chelsea, and that'll do me. Keep up the hard work, guys, and up the Chelsea. Daryl M.M. Absolutely nails that. And then there's the one from Vinod, which is uh, wonderfully cerebral, as it always is from our chum Vinod uh, from India. And he says, hello all. Hope you're doing well. Trust you're sufficiently inebriated. I'm absolutely as sober as a judge, Vinod, you cheeky man. Uh, Anyway, this is turning out to be a strange season, one that almost every Chelsea fan had written off from the start. Most of us would have considered a top 10 finish as a reasonably successful endeavour after the slog that is the Premier League. Winning a cup semi-final would have been the highlight. What we see instead is a clamour to dissect every lost point, every little mistake and every lapse of judgment. And this is not just a Twitter thing. Fans seem to be distraught at losing three points to Newcastle in the last minute. So, I thought I'll paint an uglier picture. Tammy could have been relegated to the reserves after after his missed penalty. We could have seen Lampard rotate Giroud and Batshuayi trying to eke out less frustrating performances from either of them. We could have lost every last strand of our hairs watching our midfielders run like they are trespassing a patch of quicksand. Even worse, it could have been as bad as last season, and Lampard could have been sacked by December. 
However, the club has backed Frank, and in turn, Frank has backed the youngsters. Now, after years and years of the work that has gone into the academy by Neil Barth and team, we have a tangible pipeline. Honestly, I find myself being overwhelmed by the sight of the youngsters putting the kind of performances we have seen this season. As far as I'm concerned, the negative reaction is a testament to the work of Frank and team. Kudos. As Frank alluded to in the post-match presser, we need players, ones with solid end product. We can't work anymore on training on finishing, is what Frank said. His frustration is evident here. Killer instinct cannot be coached. It will, however, come with time. It's personalities like JT, Frank, Drogba, Balak and many more who provide it that need to win at all costs. That's needed. Uh, This is a young team. The senior players aren't exactly natural leaders. It's one thing looking up to JT and Drogba, completely different looking up to William and Giroud. But we will get there sooner rather than later. The older players will be replaced and the young ones will get better. The future is bright. As far as I'm concerned, this is a season to celebrate. There's a ray of sunshine. Let's try not to focus on the darkness around it. Cheers and up the chels. Best regards, Vinod. Jonathan? Well, good old Vinod. He's a a sweet chap and, um, uh, and, and he's very optimistic. And I like that. And that is a very good way of looking at the season. But however, it doesn't stop us from watching games and ending up in despair. Sorry. You know, it, it's 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 just the way it is. It's it, you can't be a fan and just go. It doesn't matter. We're play, we've played dreadfully because this is just a, um, a season in transition. It's so difficult to do that when you've I think part of it is because they've been playing. Um, they play sporadically excellently. So um, it, it's easy for us to to attempt to make decisions and also when we see it glaringly you know it's the glaringly awfulness of the corners just being um delivered uselessly and nobody making any contact it's the it's the same goal being scored again that ball whipped over from the right hand side where their guy scored uh, whipped it over um the newcastle winger what's his name mini max i can't remember his name with the uh, the one maximin maximin almost right mini max <laughs> very good jonathan <laughs> thank you with the uh, <laughs> with the with the bandana it's the same area that burnley scored from that was disallowed twice it's the same area i think that southampton um, spewed all their their crosses in we keep making errors with the ball whipped in from the left hand side so why aren't they practicing it it's just you well, know how it, do you know they're not Hey, but if they are, then what? what's happening? I don't know that they are, but it looks to me as if they're not because that was complete chaos. But I tell you what, I, tell, I mean, you know, I love you to pieces, as you well know. And, and However. Think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not racist, but it was very much like that, wasn't it? My name is, is Lawrence Fox and uh, I, I, am, I am asleep. I am not woke. Um, but... Um, I do love you very much, and I and I love your passion and all the rest of it. But I do think you, like many of us, and I, I will look. I, I, I moan like stink about everything. You sat with me at a football match. You know what I'm like. But I think that we all generally forget. And I and I, and I wonder if this is also more evident in the younger generation. This is not a slur on them, but we we're not dealing with robots here. We're dealing with human beings. Human be- beings have frailties, vulnerabilities. They make mistakes. They will make the same mistakes many times. Uh, what happens in the real world is that if they continue making mistakes all the time, they will get sold and replaced by people who are less likely to. But we are human. The footballers are human. You know, they do their best and sometimes they don't get it right. And I do think in our passion for the sport, in our will to talk about it, and we, are, we you know, look, you know, we, we, we give 
Twitter and social media are kicking. But, you know, Vinod, Vinod could have been talking about us and what we do on this show. We analyse everything. We go into granular detail. You know, we all do it. And, and, and I do think we need to remember that they're, they're, they're human beings here, Marco, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, that, that's my point. Um, that whole hate speech thing, I don't know. You know, it's just a few blips that are annoying. Um, but it could be worse, you know. It could be Manchester United or Arsenal or Tottenham. Ah. Um, you know, it's fine. You know, we're, we're in a fortunate position. Uh, we're fourth with... with well, is it five point? We've got a five point cushion. Is that what it is? Yeah, I mean we're we're fourth. Twenty three games played, one twelve, drawn three, lost eight, goals four, thirty nine, goals against thirty, goal difference nine, thirty nine points, and we're Leicester on forty five, United and Wolves are both on thirty four. And I think my point earlier on that I said is that you know the only side with any consi- with any consistency this season has been Liverpool. Even City have lost five matches. Yeah. How many did they lose last season, Marco? Tonight. I don't know either, but it wasn't that many. So, you know, I think I think the whole Premier League this season is 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 either not as good as it used to be, uh, or or maybe it's better than it used to be because you know, basically you can you can beat or lose to anybody on any given day. Um it's div- I don't know the answer to that, but you know, we're fourth. Not because we've been brilliant and the fourth best team, arguably, but we're fourth because there are, you know, 16 teams that are worse than us at the moment. But that's okay because if that remains the end of the season, we'll make Champions League and everybody will be relatively happy, I suspect. But there you go. Um, I think a lot's going to depend on on the game uh, coming up tomorrow night, methinks. Uh, That's, as always, now become a very big and important game. Um, so uh, we're gonna... yes, you can ask me a question. Thank you. What what has happened to Kovacic? What has happened to uh, he who played so magnificently um, up until he was dropped and he came on as sub uh, against um, Brighton and was and just gave away nothing but free kicks? What what is what is Frank's thinking here? Is it that he doesn't think that it works with um, uh, Jorginho Kante and? Um, uh, and whoever, uh, who has, who is the other midfielder that we'd be playing, Jorginho. Jorginho. Look, I tell you what, that's such a good question. I'm going to like not go to the break now. I want to talk about this because, in fact, actually, I was going to talk about this, and I don't know. There are people who may have seen um, an article I, that was put up on Saturday where I kind of, you know, mounted a defence of uh, Kante or Conte, as uh, Jonathan would say. Uh, because he is our only world-class player. I think he remains that, and I think some of the talk about getting rid of him is just oh, beyond, awful, beyond, stu- awful, beyond, beyond stupid. stupid. Absolutely agree. Oh. Not least, not least, because I think his inconsistent and you know very unconte-like form this season is very much down to the fact that he is exhausted and he's picking up a lot of niggly injuries, yeah, and that's yeah. difficult. Yeah. But I do think you're right, Jonathan. I think there we, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit with saying, does Frank know his best team? I, I agree with Marco, and I think you would say much the same. I don't think he does and I think the biggest problem and symbol of that is the midfield and I think this is historical as well because I still think that we suffer from this can we play it's a bit like Gerard and Lampard weirdly you would have thought of all the people who manage a club he ought to be able to nail this one having been through it with England but can you play Jorginho, Jorginho and Kante in the same midfield how do you fit Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, Barkley, Mason Mount in the same midfield you can't and I think until he nails that, 
if until he decides what is his best midfield and sticks to it, it's going to be really, really hard to solve that problem. And I think we haven't... The, the, the problem is also exacerbated by the fact we don't quite have the right players to play perhaps the right system that he wants. Or we have players that are so good at what they're doing, we try and shoehorn them in anyway. And I think that's what you can say about... Jorginho and Kante you know Jorginho beautiful pass of the ball plays a great quarterback role but you know is slower than me getting back to help out in defense yes, yeah. Kante one of the best destroyers of, uh, of, of you know breaking up play in the game probably best in that double pivot that uh, Conte used to use so well but does he fit very well with Jorginho in a three and on and on and on I could go and I think it's a real difficult conundrum I mean uh, Kovacic in the, um, the Watford game for example the the speed of passing and the triangles he created with Jorginho were were remarkable and um, uh, it, I thought he was the the kind of essential player for the way that Frank played of course in that game Conte wasn't playing and there was uh, um, on Twitter, there was this theory that he's uh, uh, without him, Chelsea have had 71 point, 71% more success than when he plays, only 36%. So you think, well, is he playing in the right position then? Is there a way that Frank could tactically not have him roaming around the pitch in the way that he does and play Kovacic and Jorginho? Because as I say, Kovacic and Jorginho as a pair, for example, in the Watford game, were absolutely phenomenal. The speed of pass, which seems to fit with the way he wants to play. You know, it brought Pulisic in, it brought um, Mountain in a way that they're not brought in if Jorginho plays on his own. So uh, I think he can't work out himself what the best um, the best midfield combination is because uh, yeah. I'd have Kovacic in every time. And not the Kovacic, though, that bizarrely came on against Brighton and just fouled. I don't know what was going on there. He had a hangover. It was a new, it was a New Year's Day, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. It'd been out on the. It'd been it'd been drinking slip of it suddenly, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the midfield conundrum, mate? I don't know. I mean, uh, young Mason Mount's getting a lot of stick online, isn't he? As well, um, only by retards. Sorry, I'm not allowed to say that. That's very. I, I'll cut that out. Only by people who are not really th- who are not thinking clearly. Is that better? I think it just gets back to this. Um, I don't know, consistency. I mean, Kante, Kante's been, unfortunately, been in and out with with injuries. He hasn't put a decent run of games together. Um, so, Jorginho, he started the season strongly, didn't he? And then, I don't know, he's kind of laboured a bit um, of late. And then Kovacic is sort of, in and out, and there you got Barkley getting the occasional game again. Um, he played well in the second half. He played okay. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I like Barkley. I think you know it was unfortunate what happened to him uh, uh, against Valencia. Um, I think miss, that penalty miss obviously knocked his confidence a bit. Um, you know, and, and there was a lot of finger pointing and going his way. Um, because up to that point, you know, it was kind of, wow, you know, Frank, the first thing Frank had done is unscrew Barkley's head and suddenly we've got this great midfielder and he's playing, you know, scoring for England. Um, and then it kind of turned to custard a little bit. So, I, I, you know, it's just a, not many of that, not many players um, are consistent. You know, Caesar is playing... Um, you know, he's played three different positions, hasn't he? He's, he's had a go at centre-back when we went three at the back. 
he's playing on the left now. Obviously, he's been playing on the right. Um, you know, he's he's having a run of games, but he, you know, he's Aspilicueta, isn't he? So he pretty much plays every game anyway. Um, but you know, beyond that, and I mean, obviously, Frank's nailed his colours to the mast as far as Tammy's concerned. You know, he's my number one striker. He, you know, he plays every week. Um, you know, and obviously he's he's got a lot of goals, but he's also missed a lot of chances. And is that because, you know, he's just a bit raw still? Maybe, you know, could he do with some help up front? Maybe. Um, you know, what would that look like? And I, I, you know, I'm just saying, I don't know, and I think Frank doesn't know either, because we're still not at that. You know, we're not at that stage where you can predict. As, you, as we have been able to do in the past with a lot of Chelsea teams, no, you know, even though the, the ability to rotate or the option to rotate's been there for league games, there's been, um, you know, you can pick right down fairly confidently um, eight or nine players who are going to start every game and the positions they're going to be playing in, and we just haven't seen that this season, and I think. You know what you what you're seeing is a bit of discombobulation um, when it comes to facing up to set pieces and, and making the most of set pieces. I'm not not 100 sure that some of those players know what they're you know what they're meant to be doing at any given time on the pitch. Whether that's because you know they're not reading the game as well as they they might do or they don't have the ability to do that or they're you know not not following what what's being coached in terms of the game plan I don't know but you only have to look at the the, 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 the last Chelsea's last 10 results and um, you know that, that just smacks of inconsistency yeah Something I think that we all expected at the beginning of the season anyway uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Chelsea Arsenal match uh tomorrow night uh in part three uh all sorts of things we can get our, our great big teeth and gnashes into then uh, but before we do it's uh probably uh, apposite for me to give the chelsea special a bit of a plug because it is something that i am rather proud of and having been enjoying already and for those of you who don't know what it is it's basically a whole series of uh podcasts of interviews with uh, legendary chelsea players like kerry dixon bobby tambling chopper harris tommy baldwin johnny boyle johnny bumpstead gary chivers colin pates paul Cannaville, and also uh danny eccles harkins who of course was very much one of the leaders in the in the shed back in the 60s and the 70s and a very fascinating character he is too uh so me and uh, the lovely martin king who you can find uh in fact he'll probably be hanging out with, with marco to, although marco's going to be with jonathan but uh, he'll be at the csc uk stall uh flogging his book hooli fan too no doubt but me and martin have been doing these we've been interviewing these guys and they, they're just so much fun and they really opened up to us and i think they've been far more revealing uh, than they might have been to other people i don't know why but i just get that impression anyway all of these interviews reside at chelseaspecial.podbean.com uh, or you can just go to chelseaspecial.com and you can find them there and there's a link to them all uh, we are charging £2.99 for each one and there's a reason for this it's not because we're greedy it's because we've spent a lot of money getting this together we're paying them all for their time uh, and uh, 
and there you go. I have, and it's only you know, it's less than a bloody cost of coffee for Christ's sake. So it's not going to break the bank. Um, anyway, so go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com, and then when you find the one that you want. Uh, then you just click on buy single episode now and then you can listen to it or download it as many times as you want and as i said do check out the website it's chelseaspecial.com and uh check out the twitter page which is at chelsea underscore special and uh the chelsea special on facebook and with a bit of uh, good luck and good wind i'll be getting the gary chivers one out this week and that one is one not to be missed because gary is absolutely hilarious and forthright so there you go i don't know if you two boys have checked them out yet but they are they are great they really are uh anyway we will be back in uh, part three with chelsea versus arsenal away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. Uh, this is Stamford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast with Marco Worrell and his stylophone. Buenos estente. What does that mean in English? I'm not sure, actually. I think bueno estente was um, on the fast show, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. A bit, a bit like the, 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 uh, the foreign weather forecast yeah. thing. What was the what was the catchphrase of that? Scorcho. Scorcho. That's right. Scorcho. We also have Jonathan Kibb with us. Probably disappeared. and He hasn't come back yet. Uh, and uh, I don't want to go to bed at like gone midnight tonight. So I've started without him. He'll he'll butt in no doubt when he's back. Um, anyway, while uh, we're kind of waiting for him, I can uh, use the time sensibly to uh, remind you. And this is obviously a very good 
thing to do because Marco Marco is with us. Uh, but you can, of course, tomorrow night at the CFC UK stall and in and around uh, Fulham Road, you can buy the latest copy of CFC UK, which has got articles by both me and Marco in it. Uh, and, of course, you can get it from the stall. Uh, Dave will be there. Ariat, only a pound. Uh, or from any of the sellers in the street. And, of course, you can subscribe to it if you can't get it in person. Uh, and you can get it digitally at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the States, you can also get a copy. Just go and uh, badger the Twitter account at cfcukusa. And, of course, you can buy loads of books from the stall, can't you, Marco? can, including my new one, Liquidator. Which is very fine. A very fine piece of work, I have to say. And uh, very prescient, given that this is the 50th anniversary I'm, of that the particular year. On, Sorry, mate? I'm up to Kerry Dixon on your podcasts. Oh, are you? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think they're brilliant. It's just fine. Excellent. I've found a way to listen to them without paying any money. No, no, no. <laughs> without being interrupted. Good. That's the best way, mate, I tell you. Excellent. Oh, I'm glad you're liking them. That's uh that's uh uh it's always nice to get some feedback. I'm re- I love them, mate. I'm really I'm really uh I'm very proud of them and I just think the players have really opened up. I mean like Kerry for example, uh who I've I've you know, I've done podcasts with him and I know him really really well and I but I've never heard him be as, you know, forthcoming as he was in that interview. He, he coughed up some really interesting stuff, I thought. So there you go. They're really, they're really good. So, uh, so thank you for the extra plug for the Chelsea special, uh, Marco. But massive plug for Marco's book, Liquidator. You really need to get hold of it. It's it's an absolute firecracker of a book. Right. Um, for those of you uh, who are uh, thinking they're listening to the uh, Chelsea fancast and not an excuse for me to plug loads of stuff, you would actually be right. It is the Chelsea fancast, and of course we've got a big match tomorrow, which I think largely because. Uh, you know, losing uh, on Saturday, which is uh, beyond inconvenient, has now, I think, become quite, you know, an even bigger match in many respects. Um, so, I mean, my first thought on this really, chaps, is that, I mean, we know we have trouble at home, but we tend to have trouble at home playing teams that park the bus, basically, and then try and hit us on the break or do us on a set piece. I just can't see... I mean, I, know, I think Arteta's actually done really, really well at Arsenal. I think they suddenly look like a team with a plan, uh, which is not what they've looked like for years. But I still can't see them doing anything but wanting to attack us. I can't see Arteta setting up to park the bus and try and you know catch us in the break or a set piece, Jonathan. I really can't. It's going to be a completely different game from any of the games against the lower teams. Because, as you say, they'll... they'll um... They'll, they'll play quite a rigid plan as they did in the home game and they got exhausted doing it but and they'll press but it won't be um 10 men behind the ball and it, it won't be us trying to break them down it'll be us breaking us um moving the ball away when they make errors it'll be a much more open game and um uh i suspect we'll come into it again in the second half i think they'll be very rigid he's trying to get them to play in a very rigid way that they're really not quite up with and they're not quite fit enough with yet but I think we have to be aware they'll play very well for the first 20 minutes uh, and we've got to weather the storm And uh, but if we do weather the storm I think we'll come back into it because we're we're very good, you know, if there are less players in front of us, we tend to hit the net 
you know, it's when there are when you have a shot and they've got four players in front of you to block it and a decent goalkeeper, then the chances of you scoring requires a um, uh, a rather intricate form of um, of skill or passing that we we fail to achieve. But I, I think uh, I think it'll be uh, uh, the normal competition we have with with uh, with the Gooners. I think we'll win. Mm. It's a it's a very interesting isn't it? It's an interesting game, marker Because I mean, not least because we played them so recently. I think it was Arteta's first match, wasn't it, that we played, or second match? Yeah. So you know, familiarity and all of that. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, there's some wonderful stats that I've dug out here. Um, that basically, you know, seven of Arsenal's last eight Premier League away games have seen them fail to score a first half goal from open play, uh, and and yet Chelsea, you know. Last won a Premier League home game after conceding first back in September. I mean, in many respects, this has got a draw written all over it, actually. Probably a nil-nil draw just to, you know, wind people up even more. But having said that, you know, no matter what Arteta's done, Arsenal's defence still looks ropey as hell. And ours isn't too, you know, too much to shout about. So I, I do expect some goals in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one to call, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, you said nil-nil. I'd be astonished if it was nil-nil purely because oh, yeah. both defences are crap. Um, well, not, not not crap, but they've just got rickets in them. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think you're more likely to get 2-2 two, two, um, in terms of a draw score line. Well, you know what? You know what's interesting. I mean, because this is both of our all of our our hunches really that. There will be goals because neither of the teams seem to be able to defend. And yet, since Arteta came in, Arsenal have only conceded five times in six fixtures. Mind you, they've only scored seven at the other end. Uh, so, you know, that that just belies what we're saying. And uh, I mean, you know, they'll still have, uh, I think, uh, Aubameyang's still suspended, isn't he? Ha, ha, ha. Uh, but they've also got a few, uh, few, I mean, like us, they've got a few injuries. I mean, Reese Nelson, Socrates, uh, Kalazinac. Are all doubts. Uh, Tierney and Callum Chambers are obviously both injured, so uh, they're kind of like you know three three wheels on their wagon at the moment. So maybe they're there for the taking, J.K. Um, no, I don't think it'll be there for the taking. I think it'll be um, as I said. I think uh, they'll dominate. Um, we'll keep in it and um, score a, a nifty goal. I'm not necessarily on the break. It'll be somebody giving the ball away, and we'll um, we'll get the ball down the other end quickly, and we'll be then questioning why we have a problem playing against ten men when we don't have a problem playing against Arsenal. But that's um, it's it's the nature of the of the play, isn't it? They'll be stretched because they'll be pressing. It's not so, like Arsene Wenger's one thousandth game, though, is it? <laughs> no, it's not going to be six nil. No, no, it's not going to be. No, I think it'll be it'll be close, and I think we will prevail at um, about two one or something. Um, you know what? We, we've only, the, the only time we've lost to them in the last 10 matches at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League, so going back to February 2010, was that 5-3 when uh, AVB was in charge, that awful game when uh, Van Persie uh, scored, of course. But we've beaten them. We've only, there's been one defeat and one draw every other match. I mean, so we've won eight, basically, since 2010, the last 10 games. Was that so Callum's got... goal in the corner? Was that the one that he went wrong? No, the this is... no that, that was, was that was uh, that was ninety nine, wasn't it? 
Yes, you're right. You're right. When he scored that bizarre goal past them. they they had they had the. I mean, I remember in those. I mean, I remember in about two thousand and three. Two yeah, about two thousand and three. Almost in tears when they beat us three one in a cup replay when uh, Abue scored. I think. And uh, because they always bloody well beat us, and the, yes. the the thing the thing that set it on the road to domination was uh, Wayne Bridge's goal, sending us out of control and Arsenal out the Euro two three four. That seemed to me when 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 it all changed because up till then for for about I don't know at least ten years they were always beating us, and it used to really 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 piss me off. Yeah, yeah, they were. We had the. And the same way we had um, uh, we had uh, the Indian sign over. I don't think I can say that anymore, can I? We were in, we were we were uh, the Southeast Asian the Southeast sign. Asian sign over over Spuds. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Gunas had the uh, or the or the what's the the Native American sign? Yeah, the, the <laughs> that would be. Uh, they had the the wigwam the wigwam sign <laughs> over us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh dear, Chief Wigram. <laughs> they had the Chief Wigram over us. Yeah, I know it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's it's interesting actually. I mean, you know, their last ten matches, they've been you know pretty up and down as well. They've won won three, drawn four, lost two. We've won one, two, three, four, five, six, lost four, and drawn one. I mean, and I think this is indicative of what we were saying earlier on, isn't it? That that apart from Liverpool. And possibly a little bit city. Everybody else is very inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. completely. Well, it's as bad as the end of the season of last season, wasn't it? When we we ended up being uh, third due to everybody else's incompetence. Yeah. So yeah, I'd settle for that again, though. So Marco, um, any any uh, are you going to call the call the uh, the, the selection? Well, the the team the line. Mm. Myst- Mystic Marco, what do you reckon? Well, obviously, unfortunately. Um... Is Reese fit? Well, they don't know. I don't think he's definitely out yet. He's going to be, uh, from what I've got here, Reese James will be assessed after coming off with a knock at St James's Park. I think he bashed his ankle, but it, I, I, I haven't looked at Premier injuries, which is really good. They tell you the percentage of whether they're likely to play or not. But I think I think he might be fit. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kepper obviously in goal. Oh, just he was a bruised foot, Reese James, wasn't it? They think he's he's going to play. Yeah, I, reckon, I think he'll be all right. I'll stick with. Uh, I can't see him going through centre backs, but you don't know, do you? No, you don't. And I just I don't think Rudiger's playing very well. I think he's uh, he, he doesn't get this this a bit this strange ability he has of when everybody else is well, everybody else is just dinking the ball up, but he just constantly dinks the ball um, up for a goal kick. It's it's yeah. absolutely weird. I, he seems to not know the strength of his own passes. Um, and his, he was very sloppy in the Newcastle game with some of his headers, just headed passes. He, he had a poor game against uh, Newcastle. It was um, it was slightly weird because he's not played as badly as that all season. So I'll tell you what, I, I think we might see the back three and I think we might have Alonso. Um, Reappearing, yeah. I, I think if Reese James, if he's not going to take a chance on that, I think we'll go three in the middle. I think Zuma will come back in. Um, we'll see Alonso, um, and then Kante, uh, Jorginho midfield. Um, 
home. Would Mount get in the team? Tammy obviously going to play up front. Um, and we- well, I hate to I hate to steal your thunder, Marco, but I think Alonso's a doubt injury wise. Oh, is he okay? No, well, just just that sort of back three. Uh, I, I just wonder if that might be in Frank's head to give that a go. Mm. All right. I think in a, in a, in a funny sense, it's like who who not who will he pick? Because actually, it, you're right. It could he could throw a surprise, but who who do we think he should pick? Might be better. I mean, Tammy Tammy might be a little bit off the boil, but you know, I, Giroud. I think we can safely wave bye bye to. I was very surprised to see Pedro, uh, you know, warming up yesterday. Given that he kind of said bye bye to everybody, although you know, clearly he's still there. So if he's there, he, 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 but haven't he'll they all said? The that? I mean, hasn't it wasn't Giroud touted? What I loved about the the whole process with Giroud last week being being uh, sold to um, to Inter Milan on the Friday was that a picture appeared on Twitter saying um, Giroud and his entourage and uh, the person they thought was Giroud at the back wasn't Giroud. Giroud, it was just a picture. It just got yeah. a, a, a picture. Cardboard cutout. Yeah, it was anybody and everyone. No, it wasn't even in. Giroud was nowhere to be seen in it. And um, it was uh, that that whole process on Twitter of, of somehow selling Giroud to Inter Milan was absolutely ridiculous. It was never, I mean, you know, forgive me, I kept saying, uh, um, uh, I don't think this has happened yet. I just, it's my constant, you know, it hasn't happened. It's not, because Frank had said they have to have in and out. Frank said he's going to have a player in and a player out if they're doing that. They have to have somebody replacing them who is a better fit. Otherwise, he's not yeah. going to do it. I, I think they're very much in our way of thinking, which is they're not going to buy Dross just for the hell of no. it. It's not good. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Oh, by the way, Kepler4B on uh, Mixler has said that Lampard said Alonso was fit in the press conference. Thank you, Kepler. I didn't see the press conference, which is very remiss of me. And Sevman26, this is great. This is a lot. We all like a stat, as you know. Arsenal would be 19th without Aubameyang. Wow. Well, why did we never buy him then? Well, indeed. I mean, there was rumours that he wanted out, but of course he's suspended, so that's irrelevant now. I, I think, going back to what you were saying, who would we like to see play? Well, you know, Tammy gets the nod. Uh, might be a bit off the boil, but gets the nod. Um, William, if he's fit, he starts, because Pudisic is out. You know, so there's no option there. hudson Adoy picks himself, because Pudisic is out. Uh, then then it's the, the midfield is a conundrum. Who would I really like to see in the midfield? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, I mean, the reality is, I think the the midfield has played best this season when it's been Jorginho, Kovacic, and Mason Mount. I have to yeah. be honest and yeah. say that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, and and I love Kante to bits, but I don't think Kante at the moment is fit enough. Period. Whether he fits into the system is a moot point, but I, I, you know, I think he, I think he needs a rest, mate. I got to be honest. So, uh, yeah, for me, Jorginho, Kovacic and Mount are the best three in midfield. I know everybody's been getting on Mason Mount's case. I think maybe maybe his form's dipped a bit, you know, in which case maybe it's Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic. Or, failing that, it's Jorginho, Kovacic and Barkley. Barkley, you know, looked okay when he came on. So that, that I've got the same conundrum as Frank has with midfield and it just tells you how difficult that situation is. And I think the back four... Um, well, Reese James starts if he's fit. Aspie starts if he's fit. Um, so then it's is it Zuma or Tamori or Christensen or Rudiger? Uh, I find it really hard to understand why Tamori's not getting a game because I just think he looks superb. Uh, Rudiger, I love him because he's a leader and all the rest of it. But I've got to say he's been pissing me off for weeks 
with these, you know, Hollywood passes that go straight into yeah, touch. Yeah, yeah. You know, pass it to Jorginho and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Really, you know that that would that would be my my managerial instruction. Quite quite interesting when we beat Arsenal, which was a bit of a smash and grab job, wasn't it? Up at their place uh, mm. just after Christmas. He started with three at the back and then took Tamori off and put Lamptey on on, on the yeah. hour mark and and went went um, with with a with with four at the back, um, which was quite interesting in the way that that, that game sort of mapped out um, with with Hudson Adoy on the pitch causing a lot of damage. If you remember, mm. Jorginho came on for Emerson on the on the half hour mark. So that was kind of a an evolving game, wasn't it? That one. But it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we're all raving about Frank's in-game management. I remember. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. We were, well, no, I think tactically got it right because they turned it around. Yeah. Because we were we were on the end of a of a duffing up if we weren't careful, and we turned it around, and that's what you're supposed to do. I just think you know, just just kind of articulating my inner thoughts about who I would like to see start. And it just shows you the difficulty that Frank and Jody have got because I can't really make up my mind who the best defence is and I can't make up my mind who the best midfield is. I mean, everybody else picks themselves. And in a sense, that is also a problem because it shows you there's not much competition for places in the places that can pick themselves. Largely because Pulisic is not fit at the moment, it has to be said, and that we don't have any decent strikers other than Tammy. So I kind of, you know, if one's forced to go through the process oneself, one realises actually how difficult it is for Frank and Jody. I think. Was that a fair point, Marco? Sorry, I was just saying goodnight to Misty. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, by default. <laughs> Everything you said, Chidge, is a fair point. Thank you, bloody hell. Praise indeed. All right, in which case, how do we see it going then? Uh, I, I said I think they'll win. I think the Blues will win 2-1. 2-1? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, I mean, 2-1's like, like, because, you know, like me, you don't ever like predicting that Chelsea are not going to win. Uh, so if we take it for red that we're going to win, which, of course, we always do, I can I can never see us not conceding a goal, which immediately yeah, makes the, the easy pick. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it makes the easy pick 2-1, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I so, have to say, I, I, I thought we'd, not win against Newcastle. I said so on the Love Sport. You did you said one one? I said one one. I thought we both yeah. score, but I still thought it would be difficult, just because it always <laughs> is. But I never thought it would be like that. So, uh, but it won't be like anything like that tomorrow night at all. Because uh, and the fear is, of course, that they may blow us away in the first twenty minutes because they will really be up for it and really pressing because that's the way he plays. But if we can weather the storm as we did, or even be as as equally proactive, it'll be very interesting. I just think we'll. We'll weather it, and they won't score, and their defence is leaky, and we'll we'll score two one or three one. I think we'll win. Mm. I think for me, as ever, the early goal is important. But the thing that again that worries me about Chelsea is that, I, you know, I don't feel confident when we're one nil up. I don't feel confident when we're two nil up. I just about feel okay when we're three nil up. Yeah, you know, so one is never enough. And I think Arsenal, Arsenal, you know, for all their their, their myriad faults at the moment are much better organised under Arteta. They're running around. They've bought into him. They've got more bollocks about them than they had previously. And they can hurt sides. You know, they've got some good players, forward, you know, forward-looking players, even with Aubameyang out. So they can hurt you. And if you've got, you know, a bit of stupidity going on in the back, they can take advantage of that. This is not going to be an easy game. This is not like playing Ars- it's the, you know i think we can like wave bye bye to what we've seen over the last 10 15 years of playing arsenal 
You know, we are a different side now, very much so, with a lot more frailties, and they are a different side than, than they were before Arteta turned up. So it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. I really wouldn't. Marco? Yeah, I, I, I can see 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it... Yeah, I don't know. It's, but then, you know, Chelsea being Chelsea, we, we could, like, turn up and, you know, put a performance in, um, which is what's needed. So... Uh, but I'll, I'll just 2-2 two, two. That's, that's what I'm going to be betting on alright well ever the optimist I'm going 2-1 even though I'm you know leaning toward the draw uh, Jonathan's going 2-1 Marco's going 2-2 two, two. I think that we're, we're not going to be, be far short of that but as, as ever this is Chelsea anything could happen I think it's very important if we can to, to win this game because there's some interesting matches going on as well I mean Sheffield United Man City uh, that'll be interesting. But, uh, you know, Leicester have got West Ham, so they'll probably win that. Spurs have got Norwich at home, they'll probably win that. United have got Burnley at home, they'll probably win that. Uh, Wolves have got Liverpool. So, you know, there are a few results that might help us, but, you know, if we don't step up tomorrow, we could find uh, the gap closed, certainly between us and Spurs and United, I think. So there we go. So I hope they do it. I will not... I will not... I will not. I'm sorry. I'm just reading a, a pixel a message from Bonnie Rig Blues. Great sound of you coming back up the stairs, Chidge. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there we go. He's at Fulham Broadway. Well, there we go. He, he's actually in the manor. Well done, Bonnie Rig Blues. Uh, enjoy the match tomorrow, mate. Right after this very short break, uh, we will be reading all of your fantastic, wonderful emails. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. It's the Chelsea Fancast here with me, Stamford Chidge, him, Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And and uh, Mark Worrell, the wonderful Mark Worrell, who's a renowned Chelsea author, and by the sounds of it, is writing his next book. <laughs> Buenas sera. There we go. Now, if you're very lucky, Mark Mark is going to sing you a, another song accompanied by his famous stylophone. I can't. No? Why? Because Misty's gone to bed. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Well, we'll just have to do it another time. Never mind. Right, Jonathan, uh, you've got the first email, and it is the email of the week. I've got the first email, and it's the email of the week. It's from Loz Barnes. And I wonder if we're related, because on my mother's side, they were all Barneses. Wouldn't that be interesting, Loz? Uh, Perhaps we should look into it. Anyway, morning chaps from a grey Toronto area office. It's a big year for me as I reach 50 years of supporting the Blues. Wow! With the scars and memories of glory that go with the ride. Yes, I'm with you. I've been there on the ride with you. Um, seeing the new FA Cup shirt brought back memories of my granddad taking me to stand outside Fulham Town Hall to see the FA Cup displayed in all its glory after that replay win. The short walk from Lewis Trust buildings that were home for my youth seemed like an adventure into the sights and sounds of unbridled joy with a blue and white background. As the players stood on the balcony of the Town Hall, my fate and future were sealed 
and small scraps of paper rained down. One with the signature of Peter Osgood was caught by a bloke next to me, who knew my granddad. Here, Bert, take this for the nipper, he said. Little did he know that sealed my favourite player, my team and the journey of a lifetime. Later on in my own career, I was able to sit at a table at the bridge for a Christmas dinner hosted by Ozzy and recount to him the story as he signed a card to my two lads to seal a similar fate. By age 12 or so, I was going to the shed through the Bovril gate alone and on a plush week in a week in a plush week in my pocket money managing to pay to slip into the old west stand benches and on a plush week my pocket money managing to pay to slip into the old west stand benches occasionally i could play unofficial ball boy and throw it back to one of my heroes i can never i never got the ball often enough once i've got the ball once you're very lucky now in my mid-50s i remember the second division days the wilkins brothers the clowning of Peter Barota, yes, madness. The two glorious, he always used to run out after the ball and miss it. The two glorious FA Cup wins over Liverpool. The hope of the years that led to the Roman era. That post that denied us a Champions League and DDA's glorious penalty that saw me jump into my mate's arms in a stunned Canadian pub. That, of course, is the tip of the iceberg. I explained to Canadians that you may divorce your wife, but never your team, and then lived it out to prove it. Did that mean you what you shagged the TV? Anyway, luckily with D A Z N Dazen Dazen, what's that? Is that the television? It's, it's a currency, it's I a think, currency isn't it? For 150 per year. Uh, no, isn't it a? Isn't it a telly? Uh, te- oh, telly it might be. Telly yes, yes, yes. Luckily yeah, yeah, with yeah. Um, D A Z N Dazen for 150 dollars a year, about 85 quid, I get live every game in the EPL, so never miss a kick. I own a share in the pitch. Have now found your podcast to give me a laugh and an outlet for the ups and downs of a season like no other. The feeling of Frank and the kids is the most exciting since Judas, I can never go to Spurs, turned up at the bridge. Thanks for making me feel closer to the club than I have in a lot of years. The six-year-old who Bert took to the parade is now an old gazer, looking forward to the next parade, and as always remains carefree wherever you may be. I don't think you're an old geezer at 55, Loz. Come on. Same age as me. Exactly. Same age as Chidge. You're much younger I'm than young. me. Much younger than me. And much, 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 much younger than, you know, much older than Marco. Marco's, Marco's a... He's 21. He's a child, yeah, in comparison. Yeah, yeah, good. Cheers, Loz. Well done, Loz. Great email, that. Great email. And, uh, you know, that reminds me of uh, Marco's book, Liquidator. I'm nearly 60. <laughs> I know. I know you are. We were being nice and polite about it. We were you. just being lovely, that was all, then, yeah. I was just yeah. thinking about that the other day, actually. My God. What? Well, I can't what? remember my 50th birthday party to which you came, sir. I did. I did. I remember that. That was that was a bizarre... Because it was supposed to be Martin Stagdu. Martin led Dr. Mart. It was supposed to be a Stagdu, but I'd already committed to your party. So I said, sorry, mate. But we, we popped into the what was then called the Larrikin uh, and had a few pints with him first. And me and Darren, Dazza Mental, got into a cab and... Hop, hop, no, we got the train, I think, to uh, to Cheem and got lost. And then we found the place and then we had a great laugh. Had a brilliant time with you lot. And uh, and then we got a cab back, I think, with DJ. Yeah. And we got you a photo, didn't we? One of Hugh Hastings, that great photo of the shed. It's on my desk in front of me. Well, there you go. There you go. Lovely stuff. Happy, happy memories. It was a great day, Mark. I enjoyed that. Right. Uh, email number two from Nigel Bird. Chidge. 
fascinated with all the interest in this film on podcast 487 and subsequently 488. I'm fortunate to discover, this is the uh, Brothers in Football film about the Corinthians, fortunate, Corinthian casuals I should say, fortunate to discover an airing due tonight, 20th of January. You see, the po- the podcast is not just about Chelsea, but little snippets from outside of the club such as this are really appreciated. So a heads up, and he's right, it's on tonight actually, so you, if you're in the UK... Uh, you can listen to, or you can watch it after you've heard this show. So, Brothers in Football, BT Sport uh, 2, Channel 528 on Virgin Media, and it's on at half 11 tonight, I think. Well done, Nigel. Film. Isn't it a brilliant film? Yeah, they play just up the road from me um, at Tolworth. They do. And Jonathan's played for them, mate. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played for them against uh, Morven School. Was that and, a tour to South America just before the First World War? <laughs> yeah, Very good. Yeah, I was on Very that good. one as well, but um, I, I don't know. I, I, I forgot all about that one somehow. It's just disappeared into the... Uh... The, thing, the thing that amazes me, because if, if you watch the film, you'll, you'll know this, but at that time, you know, pre-First World War, they were the best team in the world. I mean, they, yeah. they kind of like d- delivered most of the England team of the day. I mean, they were an amazing side. Uh, Marco won't know this, but last week, because we, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, I can't even remember why, but I did. And we got an email in from the director of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Who? I mean, he must listen to the podcast anyway, and maybe he's a Chelsea fan. I was just astonished. A guy called Chris. I must email him back, actually, and say thank you and la, 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 but... How amazing. I just love, this is why I love this show. You know, weird stuff like that happens all the time. It's just brilliant. But anyway, look, do watch it. It's a brilliant film. Brothers in Football. I'm sure you could probably get it on Netflix and all sorts of stuff like that if you're not in the UK. But it is on BT Sport tonight at half past 11. And Nigel, uh, by the way, you you asked about who knows wins. Um, there should, but basically what I'm doing at the moment is... Uh, is I'm not I haven't been tweeting the link out and stuff, but uh, if you've played before, you should be on the invite list. So basically, when I put the league up at the end of the week, you get an invite. Um, I, I'll if if you're not if I if I you know if that if you're not on that invite list, you should be because you played enough times. Um, I'll make sure you get get the link sent to you somehow. All right, but it's uh, it's still great fun, even though I, I I had a shocker. I came third and won something like 75p, which is rubbish. Anyway, uh, JK, next email. This is a cracker as well. This is from Martin Keane. Dear Chidge, JK, and more than able number three on tonight's roster, it's Marco. I write from the beautiful but frigid at this time of year state of Maine on the northeast coast of the US, about an hour and a half north of Boston, where I've lived since 1993. As just just about everyone else who writes in from overseas, I thank you sincerely for allowing us exiles to stay intimately involved with the team we all love. I grew up in North Wales and actually lived six houses down from John Neal, who to the young'uns and newbie supporters out there was long ago one of our more beloved former managers. He was a truly nice man to the youngster I was then, but now I'm a grizzled 58-year-old who's seen much, including many lean and relatively dark years, the worst being an 18th place finish in Division 2 in 1983-84. Thank you, Martin. I had erased that. The day I first knew I became a Chelsea... Happy days. Oh, mate. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, 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 the number of times I shook my head, Chidge, constant yeah. head shaking, going, oh, no, oh, no. The day I first knew I became a Chelsea fan was Saturday the April, April the 11th, 1970, FA Cup final day, when I was just eight years old. Ooh. It was funny that you talked just the other week about most people still watching games in black and white then, as that was the day we got our first, our first very colour, colour, spelt C-O-L-O-R, and then stroke c-o-l-o-u-r television that's for all our american and uh, our english um, listeners when i saw the teams walking out one team in beautiful royal blue with white socks and a white stripe on the shorts the other in all white with red socks i fell in love right there and then with the men in blue yes do you remember just what a mess the wembley field was that year it was right after the horse of the year show in fact the horse of the year show had been the year before and it just hadn't recovered and it was more like a cabbage patch than a field sorry to be a bit pedantic anyone who only knows knows today's pristine surfaces should youtube it and take a look in the replay when we now where we wore the now recently revamped yellow socks i will never forget ozzy's diving header equalizer then ian hutch beautiful long throw eventually put in at the back post by David Webb after Jack Charlton's inadvertent assist. We followed that success with the Cup Winners' Cup triumph in 71-72 and then got to the League Cup final against Stoke the next year. It was easy to be a Chelsea fan, I thought, but little did I know it would be many long years before any silverware was lifted again. Of course, in the modern era, we've all been spoilt with the riches of many trophies and successes, but they're just a very welcome bonus. The club is a part of my DNA and win, lose or draw. I am a Chelsea fan for life or proper Chelsea, as Jake, Jason Cundy so eloquently puts it, as does David Chidgey as well. I'm fortunate to work full time in football at the club and collegiate level. And the game has really flourished since my early days here when TV coverage was sparse. Now we can watch every single Premier League game live, as well as domestic cup games, Champions League and Europa League matches. We are truly spoilt. Aside from Ian Hutchinson and Peter Osgood from that earliest of teams, both Peter Benetti and Charlie Cook were also heroes to me. I subsequently met them both over here and it was surreal to find out that boyhood idols are really just normal, everyday people. I watched Chelsea many times before I moved, mostly in the Midlands and Northwest, and even now I almost never miss a game live if, if, if it's at all possible. Therefore, it's mind-blowing that I actually missed some of that amazing day on May the 19th, 2012. I ended up watching the second half extra time and penalty kicks in a jam-packed Italian restaurant in the north end of Boston, and I was the only Chelsea fan in the whole place. I've run six marathons in my life, and I've been in many precarious situations over the years but I can tell you without a doubt my heart has never pounded as hard nor have my legs ever felt so much like jelly as they did during the penalty shootout in the Allianz Arena. What an amazing experience especially after the heartbreak of JT's slip and miss in Moscow 2008. I was so glad to recently find the first pod you recorded after that incredible day and for sure you were all on a high more than a week later. Finding the Chelsea fancast has definitely added an extra dimension to my life and I look forward to getting my Friday and Monday notifications that a new episode is available if I can't listen live on Mixler. Thank you all sincerely and when I next get over for a game in London I will eagerly search the cock beforehand and offer to buy you fine gents, a Guinness or whatever else takes your pleasure. Most sincerely, Martin Keane. 
Wow, what what a lovely, lovely email. That's that's just. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm almost speechless. That's great. I'm glad he found the one we did after the the Champions League final because that was an absolute crack. And he's right, we were still very much on a high after after that one. That's for sure. Um, and I'm glad he mentioned the cock. That reminded me of something, J.K. and Marco. When I was doing the breakfast show on Love Sport this weekend, obviously the uh, the Test match was still very much going on, and um, Quentin de Cock was in at the time. And I kept on saying, half with a naughty kind of head on, saying, England have got to get the cock out. <laughs> and I kept on getting very filthy looks from the producer. Did they dump you know. it? They didn't dump it. Yeah, of course they did. Yes. You know. And I thought, how stupid. You know, I said I was being factually accurate. England needed to get the cock out. Yes, you know? absolutely correct. How could they? <sighs> I know. Anyway, there we go. Martin, how lovely to hear. By the way, I think Martin actually is a coach, a football coach. Yeah, he uh, said Possibly a goalkeeper coach. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is brilliant. He had a lovely kind of thing at the end of the email, which you won't have seen there, but brilliant email. And I'm, I'm, glad, we're, uh, I'm glad we're kind of adding to your, your Chelsea experience. For, just for Martin. Go on then. Time stood still. The Stretford end held its breath as the Blues striker readied himself wiping the ball with the sleeves of his shirt. There was a beauty to the routine that was mesmerising. He stepped forward, whirled his arms and propelled it high into the dank Manchester sky. All eyes followed its trajectory, like the Apollo 13 command module returning to Earth, dropping down towards a gaggle of rising heads and the fists of goalkeeper David Harvey. It was Jackie Charlton who met the ball first under pressure from Peter Osgood, who was at his shoulder. Charlton couldn't get sufficient purchase with his header and only succeeded in redirecting it dangerously across the six-yard box. With Harvey now stranded, having gone to ground following his failed clearance attempt, if a Chelsea player could get any part of his body on the ball, the goal was gaping wide open. David Webb rose the highest at the far post. Tommy Baldwin was there with him, muscling Eddie out grey out of the way. <laughs> yes! Brilliant. That, of course, for those of you who haven't realised, was an excerpt from Marco's fantastic book, Liquidator, was it not, Marco? And where can one get such a book? Uh, well, it's printed worldwide and available on Amazon, so that's probably... The best place to go, or you might get a good deal if you come and see me at the CFC UK stall on home match days. Uh, or there's always the Gate 17 website, or what's the old expression? All good shop, good bookshops, and some bad ones too. Indeed. Uh, so, Martin, if you were listening to that, you should you'd love that book from uh, Marco. It's all about the that year really leading up to the cup final and some great there's some great characters in there too and you can get it on amazon so there you go even if you're uh, not not in the uk right another wonderful email from uh, a regular contributor mr alex davidson who says chidge and kiddo do you have any idea how wonderful your podcast is for us ex pat members of the blue nation um well, I do, Alex, because people like you write in and tell us this frequently, much to our absolute delight. Anyway, he says, I left back in 1982, age 19. Yes, it's been 38 years since I had the adolescent thrill of anticipation as I alighted from Fulham Broadway Station to join the throngs for the short walk to the shed. 
I used to love that half an hour before the game started as the Blue Tribe went through its repertoire of brilliant chants to set the tone for the game. I didn't realise how much I missed the banter with fellow Chelsea fans and examining in excruciating detail what is going right or not so right with CFC. That is, until I discovered your podcast. In addition, your random meanderings and tangents in myriad directions just add to the glee of our audio pleasure. Honestly, not even my 80-year-old mum can verbally channel surf as superbly as you two do, and it makes the show damn near perfect. Please don't ever change. I love the way both your minds work and complement each other, and all out of a devotion to Chelsea Football Club, a noble cause, a more noble cause, has never, ever been found. Of course, the whipped cream on the banana split are the excellent guests you add to the mix. Clayton Beerman, Joe Tweedy, Matt Beadle, Tony Glover, Dean Mears, Liam Toomey, and the indomitable Alex Churchill, adore her, Rhoda Dacker, 2.0. What about Marco? I'm about to say that. They each, in their own way, keep our rapt attention and add to the delight of the Chelsea Fancast podcast. Apologies if I missed anyone. Well, uh, you did, actually, Alex, and we love you to pieces. But Marco, how could you miss Marco? He's gone silent. You've upset him. No, no, no. no. I'm I'm, I'm not frequent enough to be... Well, you are. You're at least once a month, mate. And I have to say, in defence of Marco, not that he needs defending, um, out of all the aforementioned people, and including Jonathan Kidd, right, Marco is the longest serving of the Chelsea fancasters that exist today. Exactly. All right? What? Oh, you mean because the old crew don't participate? Yeah, then, you know, obviously they've been consigned to the rubbish bin of history, mate. (laughs) You know, they've been that. You know, you know the kind of you know those wonderful um, rock family trees. Uh, I can't remember the bloke who did them, but you know the ones I mean. They were fantastic. They they all looked the same, didn't they? A brilliant kind of funny scrawly writing. Pete Frame. It might be actually, yeah. But anyway, I'm going to do one for the Chelsea fancast. But obviously, you know, like all good rock and roll bands, if 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 you don't do it anymore, you're just you're erased from history, mate. So Doctor Mart, uh, the blue, uh, the what was it, uh, the Blues Brothers, you know, Ross. All, all gone from history. No, Who's not at the all. Guy? Who's the guy who was always at the... I can't remember his name. Did he go and live in Thailand or somewhere? Oh, Cheltel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was an original. But you, 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 you were on one of the first shows, mate. I reckon we were about five, six shows in, maybe, when you first appeared. So you certainly debuted in 2008. Is that how long ago it was now? Yep. That's right. You had hair then, Marco. It was that long ago. I don't think I did. <laughs> no, I know you didn't. Bless you. There's a there's a picture of you actually. I think I had you on first to talk about uh, uh, one man went to Mo. Yeah, that would have been about. Yeah. Yeah. Talk. You were talking about all of those books, and then I had you again with Kelvin and DJ when you released uh, oh, Chelsea here, Chelsea there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was great in that bar, wasn't it? It was, it was. I missed that. They, that was a lot of fun doing it there. We used to get so drunk doing those shows. Bloody hell. Um, so there we go, Alex. Marco, um, who has forgiven you for uh, missing him out of that list of uh, Chelsea fancasters, is actually one of the originals and, as I said, is the longest-serving current member of the fancast, which I love him for, which is fantastic. I didn't even, I hadn't even thought about that before... You kind of prompted my memory there, so well done. Anyway, Alex finishes up saying, Meanwhile, 
The Chelsea specials are must listening. Hearing Chopper Harris, Colin Pates, Johnny Bumpstead, Bobby Tambling, Johnny Boyle and Kerry Dixon as real living people retelling what it was like on the inside is priceless. I totally agree. So grateful to have found you. Cheers, Alex. East Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Well, Alex, we're delighted you, you found Alex. us yeah, too. That's really lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I did, he does. I he didn't run... know I got... Sorry, go on, mate. Do we get on well, Chidge? I didn't know that. I didn't realize. Oh, we do, mate. Well, you, you wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. Don't we? Oh, okay. I thought, oh, okay. thanks. No, that was satire. I mean, you know, satire, you, you... Way. that was satire. You, you, are, you are like, um, Mike, I'm trying to think of. To your yang. Well, no, I was trying to think of a, of a football club that nicked another club's best player. Can you think of a you know a club that have done that and they become like a legend for that for that club? Fulchester Rovers. No, no, no. I'm thinking real life. Oh, really? But anyway, okay. you, I kind of like basically went out and and stole you from another podcast and made you <laughs> very much this podcast. Yes, you yes, you've 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 polished me and made me into Ooh. something that I would never have been with them. You're right. You you know yeah, but you know what they say. You can't polish a turn. Indeed, I was about but, to know. say I set you up for that. <laughs> Completely you set you up for that. While I said it, I thought he's going to say turd now, and I'm pleased. <laughs> oh, lovely, Jonathan. It's it's been a delight having you on this podcast. And, and uh, you're fired. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a delight. However, also good things no. come to an I'm not racist, but no, but <laughs> no, no. It is. It has been a delight, and it's it's, it's been it's it's really enriched my experience change, of the podcast. Change, kind of having change, you as my right hand man working for me, change. <laughs> that's one of my favourite moments of the podcast ever <laughs> but there you go no it's a delight I, I mean look I'm really blessed all these lovely people come and do this podcast on a Monday and a Friday nobody gets paid they do it for love they're all fantastically lovely people they're all absolutely brilliant in their own In every one of them is completely different in their own wonderful unique way and I am just utterly blessed that they're nuts enough to come and do this show every week. And without them, it would be very shit and I would be very stuffed. So they need massive praise for doing that. And I hope I give them enough. And if I don't, I'll try harder. But Alex, uh, thank you. you. You make a lot of contributions to the show too because you're always emailing us in. It's lovely hearing from you and I'm glad you enjoy it so much. So there you go. Jonathan? Yes, it's me. This is uh, from Simon Lewis. Uh, evening, L. Firstly, uh, evening, L. Evening, L. Um, evening, L. Evening, all. Firstly, thanks so much for the excellent show. I don't get a chance to listen live very often, but I love listening to your podcast on a run or whilst at work. Yep, yep, yep. Your excellent insight and balanced, knowledgeable discussions. Is that us? Oh, yeah. Are great to listen to. I was a season ticket holder for 13 years, going home and away with many trips to Europe, seeing the likes of Peacock and Dixon, then my favourite era of Viali, Zola, Petrescu and Hughes. Wonderful. Hughes. Hughes is one of the great players. Anyway, then the start of the Abramovich years, including an away day in Bolton in 2005. Oh, yes. Amazing memories. Then family time and money got in the way and I had to stop going. Sad times. Fast forward to 2019 and for Father's Day, my eldest daughter, now 23, got me tickets to see Chelsea. It was for Chelsea women. I kept an open mind because Chelsea's Chelsea, right? I loved it. A different experience in some respects, but still everything I love about going to see Chelsea and sharing it with my daughter was very special. We've now been to six games this season. We'll be getting a season ticket next year. The quality of the football is great. Check out Beth England and Sophie Ingalls' goals this weekend against Arsenal. Stunning. I wondered if any of you had been and what you thought of the rise of women's football. Keep the blue flag flying high and up the chips. Simon Lewis, Ballam, London. I think it's fantastic. I think uh, the fact that Chelsea are, are up there with um, uh, as title potential 
team is brilliant um, and I love it and all good luck to them. I just personally cannot fit it in because I don't I don't want to suffer anymore if they then start playing badly or whatever. I have enough angst dealing with one Chelsea side without dealing with another. I can't think I could I can't despite the excellence of it and I'm all behind the women's game and I think it's superb but I I just can't I can't do it. I can't. I'm sorry Chidge. I'd love to but I can't. I can't. Can't what? Can't do it Chidge. Can't fit it in. Can't. Okay, fair enough. Um okay. Uh, what are you doing? Yes. Well, I, 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 I'll tell you when I read the next email. But um, it's a really good question, Simon. And I, I don't know why. I always feel really guilty that I've not. I haven't seen one of the women's games, which is which is terrible. I mean, I, I am a very, very, very busy man, so it ain't going to be easy for me to do that. Particularly now, as I as, as I work most weekends uh, doing the Love Sport radio shows. But I would love to actually, because the Chelsea women's team are fantastic. And we also we did an interview with. Uh, you know, one of their greatest fans, uh, I think Hannah is her name, she's lovely, and she came on the show and she did an interview with us about, she'd set up this website and she follows them everywhere and she was telling us all about what a great experience it is and I and I always feel I've let her down because I promised her we would go one day. One day I will go, but that it's not to be sniffed at. The, the, you know, the quality of their football is superb, they're proper chels and uh, they do very, very well and they deserve our support. More of us should go out and, you know, go and see them really. And there, there's another thing too, it's a bit like going back to the old days, you know, you're all standing up it's a small ground there's you know there's something quite pure about it as well i think so yeah i concur mate well done for you for supporting them as well and i shall do i shall try and get out there marco you have you seen one of the girl uh the, the ladies teams play i i haven't and i, I and considering kingstonian is very close to where i live i should be perhaps be ashamed of myself but a bit bit like i just haven't got the time um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like having a kid. If if uh, typically they 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 play, they don't play on the same day as the as the men. Um, so I did think about taking Misty along, but um, I'd rather take her to see uh, the the men for her first proper game. I took her to watch the under-23s at Sutton United at the start of the season. The highlight of that was her meeting Callum Hudson-Odoi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw the picture, I think. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah, no. I, I haven't been to see the ladies in the flesh. Yeah, no. We should do better. We should. But a good email, Simon, and I a very good point as well. Shouldn't I try and take Yeah, yeah. You should. should. You should. And it's a great little ground down there. You know, it really is. I, used to, I mean, I've been down there to see Wimbledon play, believe it or not. And, uh, yeah, it's a good little ground. Right, OK, last email of the week from Duncan Partridge. He says, Hi, guys. I just wanted to drop you an email after reading Dean Mears article in the January issue of CFC UK. I was touched by this piece, and I'm really glad that someone took the time to put their story out there. This is a message that needs to be heard, so credit to the magazine for publishing it as well. As Dean says, we should be looking out for each other as one Chelsea family, but hopefully with the Take a Minute campaign, we can all look out for each other. I know this is a non-Chelsea-related email, and I hope you won't uh, mind me sending this, but the more people that hear this message, the better. All the best, Duncan. Um, I'm embarrassed to say, Duncan, I haven't yet got round to well, uh, reading Dean's piece, but Marco will yeah, have done because he well, edits the I thing. I concur with 100, well, 1,000% with what Duncan said there. 
Um, very brave of Dean to to sort of explain his situation in the way he did, and you know what a great message. Um, I, th I think quite a lot of people I know, myself included, have been through dark days um, and sort of you know stared at the abyss. Um, and yeah, you, know, you can't have these conversations um, enough. In 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 my opinion um and you know giving it publicity in that way is brave of dean to do it but it's great uh you know to to keep that awareness thing going and um you know just be there well you know yourself chiefs don't you doing the job you do now it's it's uh, people need to talk about these things um and share um and particularly men, actually. And, uh, I mean, Duncan, don't apologise at all for highlighting the issue. It's something that's very dear to my heart. As Marco alluded to there, I'm actually a psychotherapist in my day job or a counsellor. Uh, not a lot of difference between the two. So I spend my working week, uh, you know, talking to or listening to, more to the point, um, some pretty depressed and sad people. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, obviously I, I have, uh, you know, a lot of interest in the subject I'm passionate about it. Like many of us, I've had my dark days too, so I can empathise uh, with Dean. And fantastic of him to to put it in the CFC UK, which gets a pretty good readership, as you can imagine. I'm very brave of him to do so. But you, you, you know, Dean's right, Marco's right, I'm right, you're right, Duncan. That we, you know, don't hide it under a bushel. Don't try and be strong because we're all men. Go and find somebody to talk to, and actually. You know, it's not easy to talk to the people that you love, actually. It's very hard to do that, I think, in, in, in a lot of people's experiences. And that's why it's useful to go and talk to counsellors. And if you want to, by the way, people out there, there's, you know, it's not cheap, unfortunately, and it, it doesn't get subsidised by the NHS these days. Uh, but if you can, if you have, if you have the money, which is an awful thing to say, I obviously would uh, recommend you checking out a counsellor. And you have got many places to go to do that. One of them is bacp.co.uk or bacp.com i can't remember which but the british association of counselors and psychotherapists or counseling directory are two good ports of calls to go and find counselors local to you and uh, you know some of them they don't all charge a fortune some of them will will charge depending on what you're earning i do that's for sure so uh you know do take up the opportunity it, it takes the load off and it's it's a classic case of a problem shared actually so very serious point but uh you know as i said it's something that we should take very seriously and well done dean and well well done duncan for raising it no problem with you doing that via this medium that's for sure there we go so uh a, a good way to kind of end the show on in a, in a fact because that's a, a kind of a, a more useful thing than just us yabbering on about chelsea all the time but there you go um as you know, we love getting your emails. There's the proof. We read them out. They're all very glowing about us this week, weren't they, Jonathan? Oh. I have to say, anybody would have, anybody would have thought we would have fixed it. Yeah, but how much did you pay those guys? Nothing at all. Oh. It was all no. That I, I I basically every week I see what would come in and I put them all in the script and we read them all I out. Thought, I thought you know. we'd agreed that they got a fiver each. So. No, 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 uh, no. Not even you for reading them out, Jonathan. Uh, no, I have to pay you for that no. privilege, don't I? You do. This is very true. This is very true. But uh, no, we do. We do love to read them out, and I always will. Um, just send them in by Monday morning latest, preferably before that. But. Uh, uh, ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com is the place to send them. So get get doing it. Uh, we'll always read them out and we love hear, hearing them. So do it. Right. I'm afraid that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back next Monday when I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd and a, and a mystery guest. 
Uh, mystery because I haven't done the schedule yet, as I promised I would do this weekend, but I will get it out this week, people, I promise. Uh, and we will be looking back at Chelsea's matches against Arsenal, which is tomorrow night, and the FA Cup match against Hull City on Saturday. Uh, the Chelsea fancast on Love Sport Radio is back this Friday, where Jonathan Kidd and myself, and possibly somebody else, will be joining Matt Beadle from 7 o'clock till 8, talking Chelsea, so do give it a listen. And uh, don't forget that, of course, I now do the Sunday Love Sport Breakfast Show from 8 o'clock till midday every Sunday with the wonderful Paul Mortimer. Uh, this weekend, I'm actually doing both Saturday and Sunday, so there you go. Uh, that's also worth listening. It's great fun, and he winds me up, and I, I rant a lot, which is quite fun. Uh, you can phone in and join both of these shows, uh, debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 558. And, of course, Love Sport is now a national radio station, and it's on your DAB digital channels. Uh, but if you can't get that, you can always listen to it through Radio Player, TuneIn, or lovesportradio.com. And, of course, our show on the Friday is always available as a podcast, as are all of our shows. Uh, ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, as Marco would say, as well as other rubbish podcast distributors. Isn't that right, Marco? <laughs> It's all true. Now, talking of which, not not rubbish ones, this is a very good one actually, but talking of which, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and other Chelsea podcasts on the new CFC Blues app, as they so eloquently announce here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store. Right, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Marco at Gate17 Marco, uh, and of course, check out the website ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for the regular content going up during the week. You can follow them on Twitter at Clitheroe Blue. He put a match review up today uh, at CFCGWLB. That's Alex, of course. She put one up as well. Uh, Dean Mears at Dean Mears. You heard from him earlier or about him earlier. Nick Stroudley at Nick Stroudley. And, of course, the other regular Chelsea fancasters are Clayton at Goalie59, Tony at GrocerJackUK, Joe at Joe Tweedy, Dan at DanSilv73, Liam Toomey at Liam underscore Toomey, and Alex, as you've already heard, at CFCGWLB and Dean Mears, of course. Now, finally, a big thank you to Dane Whittle, who's taken over the job of managing our Instagram account, which is at Chelsea Fancast. He does a brilliant job. It's amazing the content he puts up there. I still haven't worked out how to use Instagram, but every time I look on there, he's put something up that's brilliant. So well done to Dane. He's an absolute legend. Uh, almost as much of a legend as you two. Jonathan, as always, you've been fantastic. Oh, I love it to be on the show, as always, especially with Marco and yourself, Chidge. Brilliant. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Marco, brilliant to have you on the show, as ever. Thank you for having me, sir. Oh, always a pleasure, mate. And you two both. I, I mean, Marco and Jonathan are sitting together tomorrow in the rarefied atmosphere of the East, the Middle East, as I like Middle to call East. it. Middle East. Yeah, so there you go. So you have fun, boys, and enjoy the sweeties at half-time. He'll be Martha. seduced. He'll be seduced by the environment. Trust me, trust me. Uh, I hope you'd make sure everybody in there knows how famous uh, Marco is. Of course. Tomorrow. Of course. What time are you coming down? 7 o'clock, Jacob? Uh, no, about, about, I'll come about 7.10 to the okay. school. Okay, cool. I'll about be 7.10, 7.15, and then we'll stroll along. And um, remember, you get your programmes for free, and... Um, I shouldn't be giving too much away, should I, really? And uh, and what else? Uh, and you get a free meal, free meal, Marco. So don't 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 you know? Don't have too many sandwiches before you come. All right. And uh, the food. Yeah. The food is superb. You should take a few of your books along, Mark. See if you can flog yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Charge them double. Charge them double up there. 
<laughs> You'll get away with it, trust me. Of course, they're all old as well, so they'll 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 dig liquidator. That's they're for sure. Old, so there you go. They're, they're all about era that, but they're all very informed. Yeah, they that's are what, good people. Think, there. Other than those, the, the two people that we encountered the other day, who were so informed that they suggested that none of the youth should be playing, which was yes, very peculiar. Yes, dumb and dumber. They yes, were. they were. Uh, Anyway, uh, you two have been brilliant. You've certainly not been dumb. You are, you've been fantastic tonight. I've really enjoyed the show, actually. And the Mixler people who are very lovely and loyal and come in every week and write beautiful things on the Mixler chat room. Lovely to have you in there. Thank you for joining us, as always. And everybody else, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.